we were hanging out on Halloween. I was Johnny Utah. You were just a guy in a Packers sweatshirt. Yeah. <laughs> my my costume was super last minute. I, I didn't do anything for the actual night we went trick-or-treating, which was the night before. And everybody was like, oh, you didn't dress up. I'm just like, the fucking year got away from me. And every year I'm trying to find something. And then I'm scrambling last minute or spending a bunch of money or whatever it is. So I was like, this year I'm not doing anything. But I got so much shit for it that on Saturday night I said, what can I just throw on? And then it came to me. I had that shirt, that Ohio State shirt that says utah oh, so you've had that okay <laughs> yeah i've had that for a long time okay i just bought it as a thing to like wear around i remember i wore it a couple times people were like yeah ohio state man i'm like no dude fucking <laughs> no look at the back <laughs> right, right yeah they probably wouldn't um, get it and, and no well some people are like oh yeah sure but yeah i don't know I, that seems to happen a lot with me every time i get some shirt that isn't just a picture of the movie on the front of it people are like huh what <laughs> i got this camp crystal lake shirt that says uh summer 1980 come to camp crystal lake you know fun activities whatever and yeah people are are just like oh nice nice shirt did you have that from camp or whatever i'm like it's a friday the 13th shirt right fucking mutt (laughs) get off the planet get off the um anyway so i had that and then i was like oh what can i what can i do with that i'm like well i got a i got a gun and i'll just you know put put that on my belt and um i i grabbed one of the kids boogie boards as like a surfboard and um for the most part i think it it made sense but uh i'm sure there were still people kind of scratching their heads but yeah. i didn't have to explain it also nobody said anything if that was the, <laughs> if that was the case but but anyway so uh we were hanging out in the driveway around a, a little uh bonfire type thing having some beers and then i i pull up the phone and i'm like holy shit matthew perry died yeah and uh we obviously grew up in the 90s and uh I, I was never a huge friends guy i don't know where you land on friends but i liked him in some of the movies he was in and i always thought he was a charming and charismatic actor and i know he struggled with stuff and i guess since this is just fresh from a couple days ago it, we'd be remiss not to touch on it so yeah matthew perry 54 and, yeah uh, it was uh no it was more. probably i mean it, it didn't happen during the podcast but it was <laughs> it reminded me of the yeah. uh of the coolio incident of of last year but uh yeah i yeah what podcast were we doing when we found out coolio died i don't i don't think i ever posted yeah. whatever one it was i don't remember ever going back to it because i think it was in Maybe like that's September. the friday the 13th one it could have lost. been yeah it was like fall of last year so it was yeah. it could have been somewhere around there um yeah i so i've seen every episode of friends at least once um my wife had the i didn't watch it in its initial run until about the last year or two um because i had a girlfriend at the time who watched it so uh but then my my wife had the whole has the whole dvd set so i back in the you know 10 years ago or so we watched every episode we watched like an episode or two before bed um i've always enjoyed the show uh he was one of my favorite parts of it obviously he was one of the reasons i'd watch it i always found him to be very endearing on that show, his humor was very similar to mine. And I'm not trying to say I'm a Matthew Perry <laughs> on that <laughs> level, but I'm saying we're sarcasm is is what we strive on. And uh, sure, um, I always I always loved Fools Rush In, and I really liked the whole nine yards. And we didn't really yeah <clears throat> we didn't really touch on you know you said you liked him in some of the movies. I I only saw the whole nine yards once uh, shortly after it came out. Uh, probably on on rental or DVD or something. Uh, but I I remember 
quite a bit of it. And I remember liking Matthew Perry a lot. And like I said, Fool's Rush In is a nice little underrated, simple 90 minutes to spend. It's nothing groundbreaking, but he, you know, he's a, he was a, a solid, uh, a solid part of our, of our upbringing and our, and our, you know, he's a little older than us, but yeah, I thought it'd be, I thought it'd be nice to, to just honor the guy for, for what he contributed. Um, you, you, uh, also saw the whole 10 yards, I assume, correct? <laughs> I, I did. Yeah. Um, I, yes, my initial, I did not watch friends. My initial introduction to Matthew Perry, at least, I mean, I knew of him. I knew of friends, of course, you can't be a teenager when something is that culturally, you know, omnipresent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was, I was aware of it. It was never really my thing. And then the whole nine yards comes out and I'm a big Bruce Willis fan, obviously. And, and the movie got some good reviews so i was excited to see it i was really impressed with his comedic skills not just in terms of being sarcastic and and whatnot but his his ability to do pratfall humor um there's a hilarious scene that gets me every time where he uh walks in and and there's a sliding door gag that he can't get open and he's just like this this thing work what and it's such a it's such a simple thing but he he does such a great job selling it yeah uh and then there's there's other line readings and other things he does in that movie that that's very good. So I after that I always appreciated him and I thought he was good. I never saw Fools Rush in though. I remember you going to see it or did we see it together? Maybe we did see it. We might have. Yeah, and I, know I, just I saw it in the theater. Completely forgot about yeah, it. It's yeah, maybe I did see. It. I guess I kind of remember enough of it that I, I probably just kind of blocked it out. But yeah, I guess I do remember that. I, we we both had a thing for sell behind right, <laughs> which is probably our selling point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen it since. Um, I know 97 was one of those years where we were just going to movies just to go to movies and seeing whatever was out that weekend as, as an excuse. And that I, I, I've liked him ever since ever since then, I suppose. I get, that was before the whole nine yards. So maybe that's where I first realized that I enjoyed him. But I, I was in a, a car dealership, I don't know, maybe three months ago or something. It was during the summer and I was kind of stuck captive in front of the TV and they had old friends reruns on, on, on TBS and I probably watched four of them and I was completely baffled by what made that show so popular. <laughs> for, and I know we're watching it, you know, 30 years or 25 sure. or whatever it is later. I think, I think it was even some of the later ones. So it was maybe only 15 or 20 years ago. So, um, the, the excuses I'm trying to make for it are, are even getting harder, but I, I, I was not a fan. I didn't find it funny. I found it obvious and and cheap and yeah and, and very very lame. But I don't I don't begrudge anybody likes it. And and that's you know that that happens a lot. Uh, Kate and I were watching Three's Company the other night just on a on a lark because I was talking about how much I used to love that show and 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 I still do. But it's it's pure nostalgia. I mean, you watch it and just the setup and the over the top reaction from the studio audience and yeah. the, the fact that every show essentially or every episode essentially has a, the same sort of conflicts and resolutions and but you, you like what you like and, and I still enjoyed it I, we watched a little bit of Married with Children too which I've always held up as you know my number one drop dead funny comedy there there have been better ones I can see it over the years but just sure again, that looking was, back to yeah yeah, something over my childhood that I've seen every single episode of eleven seasons. Probably, I mean, it was on at like ten and ten thirty at night for for years, and and I would just watch it. I tape them. I mean, God, I, I've seen every episode of that show more times than I've seen probably some movies I've seen right you know, over and over <laughs> again. And 
uh, again, it's it's easy to sit there now and look at it and be like, well, this is very predictable and dumb and uh, just the same thing every week. But so whatever. I don't I don't begrudge anybody for liking Friends, especially if you grew up with it and and that sort of thing. It just it was wasn't my thing then. It's definitely not my thing now. And but Matthew Perry as a as a comedic actor, Friends or in movies or whatever you want to call it, I think he was he was a good one. And yeah, it sucks. And especially as we get closer to some of these ages ourselves, you know, right. a heart attack. And I know there's all these theories i mean he struggled with drugs it could have been that it could have just been his heart gave out from years of doing drugs you got the anti-vaxxers coming out saying it's probably the vaccine because oh. now every time somebody in their 50s dies mm-hmm. of a heart attack as if like that's never happened before in history until people started getting vaccinated <laughs> right um especially when they've struggled with drugs and whatnot but mm-hmm. i won't i won't get on that soapbox so yeah. anyway um yes our r.i.p matthew perry and uh yeah i'm glad you you wanted to yeah. say a little something about him i i feel like we do a little bit of disservice on this podcast we're so focused on the, the movies that we're doing we always t- said we'd try to you know mention some current events and talk about more current movies and other stuff going on and we never seem to get around to it and uh, maybe it's for the best because a lot of these run three hours anyway, <laughs> <You're right>. so. <laughs> yeah if there's something that um, feels like it could be mentioned um there yeah. was a uh, the, a story i wanted to tell real quick that i just sure. just heard yesterday or the day before about Matthew Perry, when they were on the set of the whole nine yards, Willis was a little apprehensive about how this movie was going to turn out. And Matthew Perry said something to the effect, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he said something to the effect of if, if it's not, you know, if it's the number one movie, then you need to come on the show uh, on friends. Ah. And uh, it was, it did turn out to be number one. And, Willis did it, and that's how they yeah, got him. And yeah. he donated. I know he played Aniston's dad or whatever yeah. it was. There was but... a uh, yeah, it was a girl that maybe Schwimmer was dating or something's dad. Oh, um, uh, okay. I obviously yeah. I don't know, but I just remember. And I, I almost watched it. I remember my mom being like, uh, "You know, Willis is going to be on Friends." And this was a thing back in the day. Like I remember Steven Seagal was on fucking Roseanne or something. Yeah, something like. I don't that. think I ever saw that episode. I don't but think I, I did either. <laughs> I do but remember yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I know Schwarzenegger and Stallone; those guys have popped up on stuff. So uh, obviously a a thing, but I that's a that's a good story. I didn't know that yep. he made that bet or, right. or whatever. He donated uh, all his that movie was number one. donated all the money they gave him for friends to a charity too. So that's yeah. good. Good for Willis is, Willis is, is a, yeah the real deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know after his whole diagnosis and stuff, and I don't know what you can believe in the press these days. I just saw something like his family always kind of gives a update every couple months or something and they're just like oh yeah he's he's still bruce they don't really say much but mm-hmm. i saw something and it could just be purely gossip and bullshit but somebody said he's not really talking anymore and he's it's it's probably only a matter of time before we hear that he's passed or, right. or you know we start getting more updates about his health being you know, more deteriorating and if he lingers on for for months or years or whatever it is but what people kind of assumed back in the late to to mid teens with with willis is that he was just lazy phoning stuff in he was kind of a jerk and a dick on set and then we come to find out you know he's having trouble memorizing his lines and he can't right. do the complicated stuff he used to do and he's taking easier roles and then he just starts taking every role so he can make as much money as he can before he has to retire and it puts it that into perspective but not only that but when you look back on his 90s stuff and and how game he was and we've said this before on the podcast like he would just do anything and he'd make a silly or dumb action movie he'd make a great action movie or a huge blockbuster he'd make all these little indie films he'd show up on fucking friends and yeah. whatever else and uh yeah and then you hear stories about him donating money and stuff like that and that kind of offsets the stuff we hear about him 
saying he wanted a million dollars a day or whatever, or he wouldn't be in the next Expendables movie. And then you yeah. realize, okay, he, he <laughs> had, he had stuff he either needed to pay off or, or trust funds. He needed to yeah. max up or, or whatever he had to do before he, he couldn't do it anymore. So um, very well at his reasons. All their, right. Well, yeah, I hope people take their shit talk back about Bruce Willis now and uh, realize too, that, you know, it's only a matter of time before, He's not around either. So yeah, if and if and when he passes, there probably will be a whole episode dedicated to him. Even though we've done two or three of his oh, movies God, yeah. already, we, we're gonna have to go yeah. through the. Uh, we're gonna have to do a whole episode for him for sure. Yeah, I mean he's he's one of the greats. But yep. uh, anyway, not to take the focus off uh, Matthew Perry. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. fifty four. I'm curious to hear what happened to him, but I mean it, it doesn't really matter. I suppose it's just uh, another one of those tragic things that as we get older are the people we grew up with are are dying off and going to be more common in terms of actors and uh and people we yeah we legitimately know so makes you makes you could also appreciate the fact that still around and don't have any health issues or addictions but uh, right can always change on, on, on a dime but anyway uh this is a podcast called the big 40 with ron and peter i am ron i am peter Every week we take a look at a movie that came out this week, 40 years ago. This week, uh, once again, we're doing a bonus episode because 1983, uh, October, is is kind of a a graveyard, no pun intended, uh, (laughs) around the Halloween season. Also happening right now, uh, not just Halloween, but uh, the World Series is upon us. Uh, Peter, I I don't follow baseball. Who's in the World Series this year? Do we even know yet? Yeah, we have the Texas Rangers and the Arizona Diamondbacks uh, game... Okay. Four is tonight, I believe. Oh, okay. Yep. So it's already started. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is that the Brewers uh, missed the cut. Yes. What, Once was it, again. Two weeks ago or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just I kind of tuned out after that. That's but, usually when I do. Too. Um, so uh, because of of that, and because of a lack of any 1983 release worth reviewing this week, we're gonna look at the 1989 baseball comedy Major League, and as a Flip side of that coin, the 1998 uh, comedy spoof. It's a, it's a movie that kind of doesn't really fall into a specific category. I mean, obviously it's a comedy, but it's not quite a Naked Gun type spoof. But uh, it definitely has some of that. Basketball, starring Trey Parker and Matt Stone of South Park fame. They did not write it, which is is weird, being that they're writers. And it's a David Zucker film who did the Naked Gun, and it was written by him and his his usual uh, crew. And so it's kind of an interesting artifact to look back on. And I would say it based on all the uh, action and, and comedy in that film, it, it qualifies as a baseball movie. Absolutely. And it's a lot more fun to watch something like that than just a second, second baseball movie, like field of dreams or some shit. Sure. So, um, I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to talking about it. It was fun to rewatch both of these. I don't know if uh, your opinion has changed on them. I am not going to let you know if mine has, but uh, as usual, have you seen, heard of liked these films before uh major league i have seen many 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 times it's my favorite sports movie i'll just come right out and say it it's it's easily my favorite sports movie there's other good ones uh and some some are more usually are more dramatic but this this to me plays the comedy and um visuals of of baseball very very well and that's to me is what makes it my favorite sports movie basketball i'd only seen once on video uh when we were 
living together on Oakland and I wasn't okay. crazy about it. So today was, today was my second viewing and I'll, uh, I'll get to my thoughts when we get to that. I know we're doing major <laughs> league first. So yeah, I, well, the other thing about major league is we live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin and uh, major league was filmed at our, our old stadium here. I don't know if you've got some fun factoids or, I mean, I know the broad strokes of that. Um, I also know that they allowed people from the city in to fill the stands. And am I wrong in that you were there? Yeah, you are correct. In the, uh, the scene where they sing wild thing, when Rick Vaughn is coming oh, yeah. out at the end, uh, I am the, uh, I am one of the stars of uncredited cameo. <laughs> I'm way, I'm, are you visible? Can you see it? All. I'm way the hell up no. top. <laughs> <laughs> and oh. so no you don't see me at all but uh it, i was there and you're how old at this point i was 10 it was the summer of 88 okay it was uh it was um hot. i remember that it was very hot yeah what was the process like did they just let as many people in like first come first serve did you have to line up all day or how did how did that work what they would do is on the news uh they would say we need twenty thousand people for tonight so maybe not a full stadium but we need this to make it you know or we only some nights they're like we're trying for a full house tonight so anybody who can make it it's free entry so we went on one of the yeah. nights that they were looking for everybody and obviously that was the one of the final scenes so we were there for the the big game uh so they would they awesome. would broadcast on the news and in the paper how many people they're trying to get so i'm wondering if maybe they had to turn some people away after a while if they were only looking for a thousand people then yeah you take the first and how out. does that work? Then they're like, are concessions open? And is this like a, a normal game and all that? Or is it, From is what it I, just yeah. strictly go in there, sit around and wait for them to call action and tell you what to do? And From what I remember, they had a few concessions open, not everyone. And there was a, there was a guy with a, a microphone that would talk to the, that would talk to the whole stadium. Now he'd say, now this is the scene where, Willie Mays Hayes is going to beat out a throw to first. And they would, they would do about 15 <laughs> takes of, of trying to catch it so that Wesley Snipes beats out this throw to first base. And then they'd do it again. And then every time he got to first, we'd all, you'd all cheer thinking he beat the, you know, that he'd be safe at first. So we did about 15 takes of that. And then they'd say, all right, so everybody knows the song "Wild Thing." We're gonna put the lyrics up on the screen. Uh, just we just want every. We're gonna play it a few times, and have Charlie Sheen walk out. And so that was. Uh, so he'd walk out of the bullpen. We'd sing it for about yeah. five minutes, and then do another. And then I think by like the third or fourth take of "Wild Thing," we had already been there about two hours, and it was. We were yeah. like, "All right, well, that." Was, <laughs> they they kept filming yeah. after we left. <laughs> we didn't stay till the end. Well, that's that's so pretty cool i mean it's it's funny you know when you watch the movie now you think they could do just 10 takes a wild thing just shoot the crowd yeah get everything they need cut it together (laughs) that sort of thing and then they could shoot all the uh charlie sheen stuff and game stuff somewhere else or or yeah at least patch it together if they have to have to do it elsewhere but um i don't i don't know what movie making was like back in, <laughs> right. in 1989 but yeah nowadays you just wonder if they even put the effort into that or if it just be like a cg cgi crowd yeah um, yeah but yeah it's cool that uh it's cool that you're able to do that i i remember it happening but i don't know if my parents just weren't particularly interested in in going or didn't care about sports or they, sure. they didn't really have their their ear to all that but 
I, I definitely was not there, at least not as far as <laughs> anybody has ever told me. And I certainly don't remember doing it at, at nine or whatever I would have been then. So, right. Uh, but cool. cool now that the, you got to, got to do it. I was going to ask, do you, after, I don't, I don't know how many times you've seen it, but are, I, I'd assume you're able to kind of just pick out random spots in the movie. Like, Hey, there's, there's that street or whatever. Like there's a lot, there's a few city shots sure. like the uh, Italian community center right by the, apartment where yeah. Behringer goes in and the dinner party's going on. Uh, I was wondering yeah. if you're in Bernson's house yeah, on Lake, Lake Drive, Drive yeah. at the corner there. Yeah. 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 yeah that it's, it's got some of that. I was looking at uh, Wikipedia. It mentioned some other, uh, that, that horseshoe bar. Uh, oh yeah. The, the name rounding it, third or fourth, um, fourth base. Yeah. I think it is or something like that. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, those crowd shots don't exactly flatter our, our people much. <laughs> Um, no. <laughs> part of it is just the fashion of the time and everything, but part of it is just uh, you know, uh, Milwaukeeans, yeah, famous by beer and brats uh-huh. and cheese, and yeah. that obviously lends itself to a less than than a healthy looking right. bunch of people. <laughs> so. Yeah. So thank you, David S. Ward, for <laughs> representing Choosing Milwaukee. Milwaukee yeah. At least it, at least the movie takes place in Cleveland. Well, we should say, yeah, the, this movie takes place in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. It's the Cleveland Indians. That's who uh, the, the, everybody. That's the team that the, the film is following. Um, the stadium, even though it was filmed here and they used our stadium, it's supposed to be the the Indian Stadium yep. in Cleveland. So Cleveland and Milwaukee probably aren't too far removed from each other. So I wouldn't think so. Right. The the overall quality of the people's. Yeah, looks. I don't know. <laughs> don't don't at me, Milwaukeeans and Cleveland and Ohioans, Cleveland Landians, Clevelandians. Yeah, yeah, sure. We have uh, <laughs> we have two movies, uh, pretty much Milwaukee based this evening, actually, which is well. That's the other thing I was gonna say. Not only did I think basketball would be a fun thing to do after this, but they both uh, have their roots in in Milwaukee. Yep. Um, that that one wasn't filmed here, but they just they play the Milwaukee Beers is the name of their team, which. We'll get into when we when we get to basketball, but uh, yeah, so a lot of a lot of little serendipitous, uh, coincidental things between these two movies. Um, yeah, let's get into major league. I don't know. That we necessarily need to sit there and go plot beat by plot beat. These are both movies we can just probably talk about our favorite scenes, yeah. uh, just general uh, background information on major league or, or black background plot is that the Cleveland Indians are a shitty team as we're <laughs> reminded by by several people throughout the the film uh-huh. uh, that little montage where they show the construction workers and the, yes. the guys at the stadium who tend to uh-huh. the bases and the two two dudes in the bar yeah um, who are these fucking guys they they have not won a pennant since what is it 1954 1954 okay yeah and so they they have a new gm she's the they what do they call her like a vegas showgirl or or stripper wife of the the former gm who dies and she inherits the team and her goal is to get attendance to a point where they have no choice but to let the team move to miami where she's guaranteed a brand new stadium awesome condo and a bunch of great players and so she takes it upon herself to go find some a bunch of has-beens and never will be's as it's put in the movie and we get people like tom berenger who's kind of a out to pasture catcher who's got shot knees wild thing ricky vaughn who played by charlie sheen he's in prison as the movie begins but he's got a hell of a 
throwing arm. What is it? What does he clock out at the end of the movie? 101 miles. 101. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But even before that, it's it's 89 and 96 and stuff like that. Um, you've got a defector from Cuba. You've got Roger Dorn, who's the uh, sort of, I guess, what sort of playboy ball player i guess he was pretty good uh, good enough that he could Afford invest all his money yeah well and, <laughs> yeah now yeah. he's just a kind of a rich stockbroker who doesn't want to you know really lay it on the line for the team and um, is more interested in whatever his plans are for after baseball and his, his stock portfolio than playing what else there's um harris harris yeah you have james uh, gammon as uh, the uh as the manager lou brown with james gammon is <laughs> They call him. Yeah. They call him to ask if he's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> he's selling tires, and uh, they, they call him to ask him if he wants the job as the Indians manager. He says, "I don't know. I got another. I got a guy on the other line about some white walls. I'll call you back." <laughs> oh, his lines are. I've I've got a, I've yeah. got all the best ones written. I think, I, mean, yeah. I don't know about all the best ones, but I got. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Chelsea Ross is uh, Eddie Harris. He's the veteran pitcher, um, and he's he's funny. He's always coming up with the. Uh, different ways to grease the ball up and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, he and uh, Serrano, Pedro Serrano, played by Desmond Habert, who, like I said, he's a defective from Cuba, and, and he's into voodoo. And Harris is a big Jesus guy, so the two of them butt heads. Who am I leaving out here? We got Andy Romano as the first base coach. He's great. Uh, Pete Vukovic is in this. We'll get into that. And then, of course, yes. uh, Bob, yeah. Bob Uecker. Oh, Snipes. Yeah, I can't leave out Snipes. Snipes is... Yeah. Uh, Willie Mays Hayes, he's he's fast, but can't really hit the ball very well, but he plans to win games by stealing bases. Says he's going to yep. steal steal 100 over the, the course of the steal season. Steal 100, yeah. <laughs> bought, a, bought a pair of gloves for everyone he's going to steal and hang them up on his wall. Um, a young Renee Russo in one of her first roles. I think oh. this is her, her major film debut, and she's great in this. We'll get into everybody as we go she on. She really is. But yeah, so essentially yeah. it's the story of all these underdogs who they're put together uh, by Margaret, Margaret Witten. Uh, Margaret, yeah. Plays Rachel Phelps. So she's the former showgirl who inherits the team from her billionaire husband. Uh, yeah, so they she puts them all together, uh, hoping they're going to crash and burn and she'll get to move to Miami. But as we know from movies like this, that's probably not what happens. These guys are actually all very good and they just need someone to kind of corral them and, and bring their, their talents to the forefront. And that's why James Gammon is, is Lou Brown is it's another reason he's so, so great in this movie. And uh, yeah, I, like you said, baseball wise, comedy wise, even drama wise to whatever degree, this movie kind of checks, checks all those boxes. Just after watching it, the first thing I wrote down is, you know, this is just a great fucking movie. Um, I'm not even a baseball fan. Absolutely. I mean, nothing against it. It's it's fine. It's just I just don't right. don't care, and that's just me in most sports. So, but uh, but I love and adore the shit out of this movie. I always have. I've seen it a zillion times, and I can watch it anytime. I love the cast. I love the performances. I love the script, the tone, the pacing. It's it's pretty much a perfect movie, perfect comedy. Uh, I know you and I disagree on Caddyshack. Uh, that might be my favorite sports comedy, but this one's right there. I know I I mentioned it during the Caddyshack episode. It's definitely between these yeah. two. I can watch them both anytime. I can dive in the middle. I can just watch certain scenes for a little bit. Um, I love the cast. I love the rapport. I love the writing. Just everything about it. Um, it's terrific, and it's it's underrated. Despite being generally well-liked and well-reviewed and well-regarded, and it was a hit and all that, it doesn't come up as much as I feel like it, it should. I totally agree. One of my favorites. So. You know, I try and 
I don't ever want to sound like I, I try and be objective about movies and, and I know this is filmed in Milwaukee and I have a story about being at the filming of it. But if you took all of that away, even just from your perspective, you're a guy who doesn't really right. care much about baseball. Like, yeah. And you, I wasn't you there. See what I mean, this movie is. Yeah. I lived, right, I, right. I lived in yeah. Milwaukee, but other than that, I have no like allegiance to this thing. I don't, don't love baseball. I wasn't, mm-hmm. I didn't get to go to the filming as a kid. Actually, I don't think I actually watched this movie until probably 1990 one or two i remember I, I was at a buddy's house he was a big baseball fan um he told me it was good i think we watched it and i, I immediately went and bought it and now granted this is a time where i was just buying movies i would buy just any movie i even kind of like halfway liked or thought it had a cool box and i was interested in beefing up a collection and and that's just me it's, it's like if i'm into something i want to get get everything i can and i've gotten a little better with that as i've gotten older because uh you know just you can't keep spending money like that when you have other priorities and you, know, right. you also do kind of learn that you don't need to have every single little thing that you want. And it's probably better to have a tight collection of some of the, just the best stuff. But anyway, I digress. The, the point is I, I bought it. I watched it a gazillion times after I got it. I've watched it a gazillion times since. And yes, I have no, it was, it was a completely organic, just, I watched this movie once fell in love with it and yeah, I've, I've loved it ever since. I haven't seen it in a couple of years. Uh, it's a lie. I think we watched it last summer with the kids, uh, like when we were camping or something. But, okay. you know, I haven't sat down and paid attention to it and thought analytically about it. I'm sure the last couple of times I've watched it, I've been like in and out of the room or, you know, putzing around on my phone or, or whatever I've been doing. But it was good to sit down and, and rewatch this one again. And it, it still holds up. It never gets old. Everything I found funny about it, all the best scenes, they still play like, gangbusters yeah it's a perfect fucking comedy whether you like sports or or not and the writing is part of it the direction is part of it the performances are certainly part of it yeah but the casting in general is yeah yeah. and the dialogue and jokes are terrific and the cast sells it 100 percent. yep and it's just it's one of the the best comedies out there certainly that we grew up i agree uh right oh gosh yeah you know david s ward i he he kind of had this reputation because he did, I know he did King Ralph and some other things in between, but he did major league and then he did eventually major league two. two. No, he did the program and then major league two. Uh, the program yeah. I always thought was a really good football movie, but that is like pretty much a straight up drama. There's some, some humor in it, but it yeah. plays more as a drama. Um, but it's still an awesome, like, sports movie it's very just the guy knows how to make a freaking sports movie it's yeah hey uh he's got a talent and and, but the writing in major league to me is it's so like you said it's so sharp it's so like yeah just the just the it's like uh, rat-a-tat-tat just delivery like one guy says something the other guy says something back and that's not just the credit to the writing that the performances are like i said the cast does a great job but but yeah the the way it's written even on the page you can see how that'd be funny if if i were to read that script i think i'd be cracking up but yeah then again i don't know i don't want to undersell the cast that maybe they bring that stuff alive whereas it's it's dead on the page who knows but you're right i interrupted you before uh when you were about to bring up bob Euchre as harry doyle yeah he from what i've heard and and we both know he's fucking amazing in this film as well uh-huh. i i just from what i've heard and, and just judging by what i'm seeing and the amount of brewer games i've listened to i'm pretty sure he got pretty free reign as to what to say and 
Well, like I'm guessing a lot of his stuff was ad lib. I was going to say he is such a fucking talent. And I understand that we're watching a movie and he may have gotten tons of takes and stuff like that. But you can listen to him on the on the radio. And, and again, I, I don't yes. really because I don't follow baseball. But I mean, just growing up here, I've I've heard him or my dad listening to games sure. and stuff like that. And, and he's not the only one. There's a lot of guys like this, but it's always kind of marveled me how these guys can just say and and we're sitting here doing a podcast and I still can't do what he does and, and he's calling oh. a game in real like like we can sit here and have all of our notes in front of us and we have extra takes and you know, we can edit things and and whatever but he's just sitting there live and, and he's he's got these people's names at the drop of a hat he's got the baseball lingo of what to call it and and i really sat down and noticed and, and appreciate just the way he can somehow come up with these guys names and and just rapid fire delivery of like here's what's happening now and it just it, it blows my mind and I, like i said doing this podcast i i really had an appreciation and a, and a fascination with watching him do what he does and in, in not just this movie but in real life and just effortly effortlessly is able to to do that and that's it's pretty phenomenal it, yeah he can blend comedy into a live you know, three hour broadcast in between pitches and tell a story and go back, you know, yeah. in between pitches, keep telling the story at 90 years old. And it's, you know, when we, it's, yeah, it's, it's impossible to even get on that brain level to yeah. try and think how, how the hell he does that. I know it, experience helps, but he's always been this way. This right. is just his natural, his natural bravado, his natural talent is this. Yeah. And like you said, he you know, he's, he's funny as hell. Just, you know, I'm sure some of his stuff was scripted, but perhaps like you said, if he's got free reign, he might've ad libbed mm. who knows how much of that. And, and yeah, he sounds great. He sounds just like a guy calling a ball. It sounds like he does calling yeah. a ball game and, that's great. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's he's definitely one of the one of the assets of this this movie. Maybe even my favorite overall part of it. Like if you just took his scenes in this movie and yes. watched a whatever <laughs> equals twenty minutes twenty minute highlight reel of everything he's doing, that's a hilarious yeah. fucking night right there. So one of my favorite uh, throwaway lines of his is uh, post game wrap up. He's like, "This game was brought to you by yeah." Christ, I can't find it. To hell with it. <laughs> to hell with it. <laughs> Don't worry, I nobody's that, listening yeah. anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's pouring himself Jack Daniels throughout the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it makes me wonder what it's like up there in the uh the brewer announcer booth if he's sitting there slamming Miller lights or or what or if, right. Or who knows. I'm sure the brewers have some rules about that, but um, there probably yeah. I'm guessing in the county stadium days it was. I was gonna say free back range. in the 70s, 80s, even 90s. Who knows? Yeah. He's probably able to to do whatever he wants. But uh, yeah, it's amazing he's still doing it. So uh, more power to to old Bob Euchre. I hope he continues on. You know, as long Absolutely. as he can, obviously. But uh, yep. And then we mentioned uh, Lou Brown. Um, he's he's great. Great voice. Great deadpan delivery too. Yeah, he's he's always like. Oh, yeah. I don't know. And shut up, Dorn. <laughs> Forget about the curveball, Ricky. Give him the heater. <laughs> just he's yeah. so good. Those are all those are all lines I say on regular on a regular basis for no reason yeah. at all. Sometimes just shut yeah. up. Dorn. I think me and you used to <laughs> shut up, Dorn. Yeah, we like we and you used to say that. <laughs> such a such a great voice. I just 
yeah, I can't I can't get over how how fun that guy is. I I just I had it here before we get off it. Um, do you remember uh, David S. Ward when we talked about we we did the Sting two like a couple months ago and we found out that yeah. he he won an Oscar for best original screenplay for the Sting. Right, which is super super yeah. random. There's a lot of people in major league that you and I have uh, maybe not always even on this podcast, but we're, I mean, that we enjoy as actors, uh, uh, Sheen, mm-hmm. Berenger, Russo, especially those three, I'd say. Snipes? I, I, I don't know how you are. Oh yeah. Snipes for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I know you're kind of, you like Sheen. I I do. Yeah. I don't think you're, I, I, yeah. I don't like him as a person or whatever, but that all kind of no. came after I also <laughs> stopped liking him as an actor. So I feel like <laughs> when I did like him, he wasn't, well, let, let's put it this way. I guess he, he's always been kind of like a Hollywood bad boy and, and drug abuser and, and whatever else. So I, I guess I'm yeah. not, I guess there was never a time where I was probably like, oh yeah, he's a solid dude or role model or whatever. And, and a lot of the stuff that's come out about him <laughs> right. goes way back to the eighties and nineties. So I'm absolved because I didn't know any of that until after the fact. But yes, at the time I liked him. And by the time I started thinking he kind of, you know, it, it was past all this stuff that I enjoyed watching him in anyway. I right. think probably the last time I really cared much for anything he did was on Sin City when he took over for Michael J. Fox. And that's the oh sure the early yeah. 2000s. Um, but yeah, he had a great 80s and 90s. And just off the top of my head, uh, the rookie we we reviewed, that's that was great. He's in a movie called Terminal Velocity I really liked from 94. That's kind of an underrated action movie. Obviously, things like Young Guns and I don't know. I'm sure I'm leaving out a ton of stuff. The Chase, I think, is a great underrated yeah. screwball action comedy. Um, I'm, a, uh, I'm a Men at Work apologist. Men I will, at Work, that's another one. I will, yeah. yeah. Navy Seals, I, I still enjoy <laughs> watching to this day. Sure. <laughs> uh, but it... In in this one, I I think he's so so well cast that he's almost just so like I don't know how to describe it. Like he's just such a perfect fit. Yep. Uh, yeah, perfect. That, everybody's you know, perfect in this. Plays in. Yeah, you everybody's. Can't, you perfect. can't imagine anybody else in in these roles. Even some shit like Harris or you know somebody where you're just like, mm-hmm. well, I don't, I don't really know that actor. You know, people who haven't seen as many movies as we have or don't worship at the altar of something like The Last Boy Scout probably are just like. You know, who's, who's this guy? What makes him funny? But if, if you've seen him in other stuff and, and then you watch him in this, it's such a such a great performance. Right. And nobody else is going to say Bardall. You know, like, it's just there, there's just <laughs> some of the funny lines in this movie if somebody else were to do it. Now, granted, yeah. if it was somebody else to begin with and that that's how we grew up watching it, we're not going to say, oh, they should have gotten, uh, you know, fucking Rene Russo for this or whatever. But you don't know what you don't know, right? And and watching it now, just yeah. you, you really appreciate how everybody being so good in the, like there's not a there's not a bad performance in this movie, not or a single a, one, or a drop ball, or I mean some are better than others, and some have bigger parts than others, but everybody's doing their thing and and bringing their a game and yeah, even even the the uh, dynamic between Margaret Witten and uh, I I'm looking up his name now we. have just saw him in Halloween last week. Oh um, yeah. Uh, oh, Charles Cyphers. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Charlie Donovan in the movie. Yeah. yeah. He just, their, their little dynamic back and forth is hilarious. Uh, the way the wonderful. Yeah. Charlie so Cyphers. 
he can't stand the way she puts flowers everywhere in the in the yeah <laughs> around all the sweets. He's he's making phone calls. He's just dumping flower pots into a yeah. garbage can. He's like, <laughs> get all this shit out of here. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, um, it is. Uh, shit, there was something I was gonna say about that, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess every every character kind of gets their moment to shine, you know, and it's not like. Mm-hmm. Even even the the smaller characters that don't get to do as much, they still are are well explored. They're still well written. Like I said, everybody kind of gets their their moment. But yeah, the cast rules. Uh, you you brought up Sheen. He's just got such a. I, I love that scene where he walks in and and he goes. Every time I pitch against you, I'm gonna stick it up your fucking ass. And then Lou deadpans. Good. I like that spirit of my players. The only problem is I didn't cut you and. And then uh, there's where he gets, he has to wear uh, a tie out to dinner with Behringer and Snipes. And and this is a dumb, yes. dumb joke, an easy joke, but he's sitting there with his tie on in a, in a cutoff leather vest. And he goes, I look like a banker in this. <laughs> and I mean, it's not, it's not a great joke. I mean, that's some sitcom level yeah. shit, but it's just. I mean, they sell it's it played so, so well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they sell it so well. Exactly. He, he, you know, Behringer sees Renee Russo down there having dinner with her new man, and yeah, Charlie Sheen's like, "You want me to go down there, or you want me to go drag him out drag of here, him out of shit here. out of him?" Behringer doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> Behringer doesn't even answer, and yeah. Sheen just kind of shakes his head, like, "Oh, probably no, not a good idea." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, that's a great line. Yeah. And then, you know, his, his nemesis Haywood, uh, you know, it's played by Peak Vukovic. My dad, I remember pointing that out to me once. And I don't know, I don't know that I ever watched this movie with my dad. So I don't think it was there. I think it was actually at a, a game maybe that he took me to. And yeah. Cause he was, yeah. And, yeah. And, he was still, he was still in the baseball scene when that movie came out. Yeah. And, and maybe we, I don't know. Hey, it could be he he would take me to baseball games every once in a while, even though I never was too into it. So maybe he pointed it out there, or maybe we did happen to catch this movie on TV or, or a commercial or something. And he'd be like, "Oh, it's, that's Pete Vukovic." But I just remember him saying that to me, and that name stuck with me. And I, I had to look it up for before we did the pod just to make sure I wasn't misremembering who that guy yeah. was. But all these years later, uh, I remember the the name Pete Vukovic. First of all, it's such a a name that sticks with you. And the guy is such a, it's, it's so a look and yeah. presence. And my God, that yeah. his, his line, you know, how's your wife and my kids? That's just the fucking yeah. best. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. our introduction to him. It's yeah. so great. <laughs> Says it right to Jake Taylor. Yeah. who's you know, kind of a well-respected veteran, but he just like, Hey Taylor, how's it going? Taylor, how's, how's your, your wife, wife and my, my kids? kids? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the way he says it with that New York accent. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, and and you got Snipes. He's all all fresh and live wire energy, and he's he's kind of kind of little. And I mean, he's in shape and and whatnot, but he's you know he looks like kind of a shorter guy compared to some of these other guys, and kind of wiry despite being sinewy and 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 muscular and whatnot. But he's fun in this, especially considering he moves pretty quickly to to drama and action and and that kind of thing. But and and I get it. You probably don't want to play this type of fifth build sidekick comic relief type character for your entire career but right but i would kind of like to see what if we could have gotten a little more comedy out of him i mean he's so, so good in white man can't jump but even there he's such a an alpha and and the star and, and yes. all that and um it, it, it's funny to see him as just sort of a 
the young upstart in a in a movie like this. Right. And he's great and he's got that that charisma and that talent right right from the get go. Yeah. He's great in this. Yeah, it's it's you know, you could take a corny scene, well, a quote unquote corny scene like where he thinks he's been kicked out uh, and they well, he has been kicked out. They realize he wasn't even on the roster of <laughs> invite walk his or whatever. bed out and <laughs> Yeah. As if that's the way you <laughs> do it. And, <laughs> right. and he gets up and outruns those two and, and and I I like the way that scene is I like the way the slow motion of him just running between and the one guy's looking at him like, Holy shit, well, who the fuck? You know why you know why that guy? works and and here's here's another point I was gonna make that I, I was trying to before and I couldn't remember what the where the fuck I was going with it. But um it works yeah. because these guys are all playing underdogs. So the, the there's yeah. nothing on the line oh. for this team. So you can have kind of a silly movie like this. And I realize a lot of movies are underdog stories. It's always the the team is I mean that's the whole thing with Caddyshack and everything else. It's the, it's the slobs versus the snobs, right? That's the that's the thing. Yep. So you can always have these guys who are big drinkers, and you know after the game they're out there, uh, you know, chasing tail or going to the strip club or getting into shenanigans, mm-hmm. getting arrested and stuff like that. This movie isn't like that though. This movie is these guys want to do well. They want their last shot or their first shot. They're just products of whatever environment they they're coming from, and so. When it comes to the guys like say carrying snipes out or not letting him in or or us going oh how how fake is it that that guy wasn't even supposed to be there and then they just let him join anyway because he can run fast well it's because this team is made up of a bunch of fucking misfits and it's doomed to fail exactly. anyway and they're just looking for people who can who can run and yeah. and it's it's also so good because she wants them to fail but these guys think they need to build a great team or or, or want to build a great team. Yeah. And so, and they don't know, at least not until about halfway through the movie, that that's what she's trying to do. So you got a guy like Lou Brown is sitting here going, I got, I, you know, I got a guy whose knees are shot and I got this other high priced guy who isn't really playing that well. And, uh, you know, we got this defective from Cuba who might be able to hit the ball really hard, but can't, can't hit a curveball. And we got this, you know, whatever it is. And so then you got somebody like Willie Mays Hayes who can run like hell. And of course you're going to say, well, this guy wants to play. Yeah. Let's just see what happens. And. You know he's got his limit. He's got exactly. his limitations like everybody else. But uh, yeah, you, you might as well because you don't have anybody else who can who can run that fast on this team that's been shitty for forty years or whatever it is. And <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, uh, great great stuff all around, and and even the the sillier, absolutely more cliched stuff comes off just fine because that's the kind of team it is. And it's it's not even as ridiculous like I was saying as some of these sports comedies that are just oh yeah, they're just. Yeah, pandering to the lowest common denominator. Right? Well, or it's like sports meets porkies or something, right? It's just about whatever kind of crazy yeah. shenanigans we can possibly get into. And this movie kind of resists that and just saves all the... And and here's what I was going to say before where I, I couldn't figure it out. It, it's it's obscene in spots without being vulgar. Like, it, it's... There's mm-hmm. there's a lot of bad language. There's a couple sex jokes, stuff like that. But it's, it's not, you know, gross or off-putting and um, I'm not even saying that as like a prude. I'm I'm fine with a movie that's got a ton of like sex and, and whatever else, but it's just not that type of movie. I mean, it's it's an adult comedy with adult language and adult themes, uh, but it's all played very light and sympathetic to the characters. And yeah, uh, there's there's nobody you you can outright hate. There's no like just gross asshole villain, you know, sexual assaulter or, or anything like that that they would right. normally stick in a right. movie like this. And yeah. It's and even the drug and alcohol stuff is is minimal. It's a solid, solid fucking movie all the way around. 
and very fucking funny too. Absolutely. The uh, even the story of of Berenger and Russo yep. works really well. It's it's played perfectly. It's written perfectly. Yeah. You understand why he wants her back. He, not even something I really picked up when I was younger, but yeah, he was a he was a fuck up. He was a player. Yeah. Not a baseball player. Not only right. a baseball <laughs> player, but a player with her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but she she wasn't having it this time, and she was she was resistant to his bullshit, and and he did everything he could to to prove her wrong. And uh, Berenger, we, you know, we've talked about him a lot, and I I'm a huge fan of his. I don't I haven't even seen that many movies. I just when he's on. Yeah. He's so good. He's so perfect for a role like this of a veteran catcher. I mean, who doesn't who could you cast as a veteran catcher better than yeah. him in 1989? It's just right. Well, it's kind of like uh, his we were talking about him on when we did the big chill episode and we said, uh, number one, yeah. how much we liked him. He but looked like but him. number two, he had such a small yeah. window of um, not just time kind of at the top, but also of just quality movies. And then he started doing just some weird uh, he's got some movies in the nineties. I like, but he kind of went this want to be an action hero or I don't know what it was. He was in that movie sniper and, and like the substitute and stuff like that. And yeah, just kind of ex- exploitation or that's maybe the wrong word, mm-hmm. but you know, just, just, and, and I guess if he wasn't getting the roles he wanted or, or whatever it was, but it's amazing to me that after the big chill and this movie, he either made, that many poor career decisions or Hollywood just didn't know what to do with them or, or pick up on it. But, you know, you watch some stuff now, like say Dennis Quaid playing a has been coming back, you know, he's, he's good at that. There's no yeah. reason Behringer couldn't, couldn't have a similar role to that. Or if he wants to go the more hard boiled kind of actiony route, you'd think you'd catch him on at some like CSI type show or something right. on, on network. Uh, it's just, it's weird to me that, they didn't know what to what to do with with him but i'm sure he's not the only one who could have played this movie i mean he's he's got one of the more kind of basic parts but he's he's great in it so yeah uh russo love renee russo uh, i've had a huge crush on her when i was younger i still think she's smoking hot uh, you know for whatever she yeah. is now 65 70 i don't even know i think she's yeah, significantly older than us. 70 yeah um yeah She's she's very good in this, and like I said, it's one of her earlier roles. I think my favorite line reading from this movie, I, I don't know if still, there's a lot of contenders, and this isn't necessarily a funnier line than some of the stuff, but that scene where Behringer accidentally goes to her house and finds her boyfriend there, and they're having this dinner party, and the guy's kind of trying to sell him down the river and, and talking about how he, he the team's probably going to fold after the year, and he right. walks what are you going to do after your career? Yeah, he walks yeah. him to the door and he goes, I just want to see what she had in front of her. And he's like, stay away from her. And then Berenger goes, suck my dick. And suck and it, dick. it's not just say, I mean, although that's a, a ballsy thing to say. And it's also funny because the scene just ends there. You know, like you don't know what that guy's mm-hmm. reaction was or, or how that all played out. But it, so it just leaves you kind of laughing and then cuts the next thing. But just the way there's there's kind of a half laugh that he gets in there and it's just so unexpected and and like i said the movie can sometimes just kind of throw some vulgarity out there that you're not expecting and and that's and that's why it works too some of these movies that are just all like vulgar and, and all just raunchy jokes and and what's the next like crazy thing we can throw in there it starts not to to land as much or even if you think it's always funny which which some some movies like that are you know you got a movie like Step Brothers or something it's always funny when 
Will Ferrell yeah. and John C. Riley are saying fuck or ending up in some crazy, you know, sexual <laughs> shenanigan or whatever it is. But but in a movie like this where it's just mostly guys kind of giving each other some shit in the locker room for a little bit or or whatever, it's just it it's it's so much better. You know, less is more. Like it just it hits harder mm-hmm. when when somebody like Berenger in the middle of a dinner party just tells his ex-girlfriend's new boyfriend to suck his dick it's just and and the way he says it the the again everybody's so good the way it's played it's just it's perfect and i don't know i just always thought that was super funny i don't think anybody ever heard anybody just you know that nonchalantly tell somebody else to especially since behringer is so polite up till then you know he's kind of letting this all ride and just you know and you realize he's just doing it for literally walk into somebody else's house yeah well which he tends to do <laughs> yeah. in this movie i was gonna get into that too this movie's yeah. pretty fucking funny just like keeps rolling into her apartment every time yeah <laughs> every time he wants nobody to has her. doors yeah yeah or or lobbies or, or elevators that don't just go right up to right. the like every time he walks into a front door he can just go into her apartment somehow <laughs> right you don't have to knock. It, yeah, it happens on floor three. Yeah, it happens at at that place, but then it also happens at her little apartment too. It's pretty. It's pretty funny. Yeah, she walks right up. Yeah, you, you always wonder if the people making the movie they're just like, oh, how, we got to film a scene of like how he's gonna ah fuck it, just the doors open, let him let him just walk in or, yeah. up or whatever it is. Yeah, what security back then, I guess, but. Right. <laughs> but yeah, there's just it's just the like I said, the the idea that he's probably playing it pretty, uh, pretty cool in front of all the, the guests in the company. He doesn't want her to see him be an asshole. And then this guy gets him alone and tries to corner him and Behringer just fucking you know, it's not it's not clever. It's not, you know, it's not a big, uh, complicated no, thing that he does. He just it's it's the right. best fucking thing you can say at that moment. And and I, I would love yeah. to see how how that resolved but i think it's better that it just cuts to the next scene and then that very next scene he goes to dorn's house and fucking lights him up too for uh tanking the the play or whatever and tanking the ball in the ninth yeah yeah. which is a fantastic scene also just the the way he kind of starts out slow and builds up that yeah that anger he's like i this is my last shot at being a winner and some of these guys it's their only shot and cut your nuts off and stuff it down your (laughs) fucking throat (laughs) coffee anybody yeah (laughs) (laughs) now uh at the end of this podcast i did decide i'm gonna throw the top 10 of this movie by the way came out april 7th 1989 (laughs) okay at the end of this podcast i'm gonna give you uh the top the top 10 for april 7th of 1989 okay uh, well, since we have another movie to do that came out 10 years later, why don't we do it at the end of the... Should we just do uh, it now? Yeah, if you do it right now. But at the end Well, of... are you done talking about Major at... League? I Yeah, I, I think I've well, well, covered well. everything I wanted to say about it. You trying to say Jesus Christ Wait, can't hit we... a curveball? Can't hit a curveball? <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, Harris. Let's not start a holy war. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the the um, little dance between... Harris and Serrano is worth mentioning, I think, because again, that it's played yes. for kind of a throwaway laugh, just locker room humor or whatever. But that's a at the end when all these guys are winning and coming together and everything, that's a nice little story that gets resolved too. Much like, uh, and, and we didn't mention this either, Sheen yeah. and Corbin Burnson never get along. Uh, Corbin, like we said, is kind of this uh, a former good player or still good player who mm-hmm. um, has has now. He's more interested in golfing and, uh, you know, his, his stock portfolio and all that kind of stuff. And 
so Sheen is the young whatever. He comes in with his his uh, mohawk and and his sleeves chopped mm-hmm. off and all this other stuff. And so Burnson immediately, being the the kind of clean cut rich asshole, is is giving him shit. So they don't get along the whole time. And then to add insult to injury, uh, Roger Dorn, Kerbin Bur- Kerbin Burnson, his character is Roger Dorn. His wife sees him celebrating after one of their wins on a news conference, and he's in the background going into a hotel room with some girl. So she arm around a chick. Yeah. You know? So she takes it on herself to go seduce Charlie Sheen at a bar, um, which is another great scene. And then it, yes, <laughs> they end up in bed together, and she walks out and mentions that she's actually. Mrs. Roger. He goes, uh, he goes, I don't think I ever got your name. And she goes, it's what's her name? Suzanne. Suzanne. She goes, it's Suzanne Dorn. Yeah. And he goes, Suzanne Dorn. And she's like, as in Mrs. Roger Dorn. And then she kisses him and walks <laughs> away and he goes, Oh shit. And then she walks out and Jake's in the kitchen. And, uh, Tom Berenger. She's like, Hey Jake. And he's beer. like, what the fuck? Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> Jake goes into Charlie Sheen's room. He's like, I didn't know who she was. I swear to God. And then she, right before they're about to go play their, their sort of definitive game here, uh, the, the the win it all, make it or break it game. She says, and this is another great scene too. She's like, he comes, he comes walking into the room, kind of singing and he's like, yeah, there, then he, Dorn hits it. It's out of here. The crowd goes wild. Ah. And she's like, she's like, good luck at the game, honey. And he goes, thanks. And she's like, I got something to tell you. He's like, what? And he's like chewing gum and smiling. They don't show it, but you know, she's going right. to fucking say like, I just, I slept with uh, wild thing Vaughn. Yeah. And then there's this whole tension about what's going to happen at this game and, and all this other stuff. And, and you're worried the whole time that they're going to come to blows on the field. And then uh, finally, you know, he, uh, Burnson walks up to Sheen and says, I, I only got one thing to say to you. And Sheen's all worried, like, oh, shit. And he goes, strike this motherfucker out. And uh, oh, and, and also, we didn't even talk about the yeah. whole thing that Sheen's got a, got this whole thing against Vukovic where he keeps every time he pitches against Vukovic. Um, Sheen's this great bridger, yeah. striking everybody out. Vukovic just nails him, home runs every time. Uh, every time. Sheen yeah. can't, can't get anything by him. So at the end there, where the game's on the line, it comes down to to Sheen striking out Vukovic, which he obviously, if you've ever seen a movie before, does. But uh... <laughs> skull and crossbones on his glasses <laughs> as he's about to throw the pitch to Vukovic. I that yeah, just so well, just yeah. so well played, yep. just so well directed. Yeah, you know how to pan. Not, I don't want to say pander, but you know how to play to a crowd. Yeah, well, you know what people want out of a movie like this. So some of this is, is predictable, yeah. but there, like any other movie, whether it's action or comedy or whatever it is, there's there's good ones, there's bad ones, there's there's mm-hmm. lazy ones, there's ones that really get you uh, invested and, and amped up and on their side and laughing, crying, having fun, whatever it is. Um, and this is this is one of the good ones. This is a movie that that yeah. totally knows how to do it. Um, we mentioned. Serrano and and Harris and I thought that was uh, Dennis Haysbert got to touch on him a little bit. He's plays the president in Twenty Four, which is probably his other biggest role, um, unless you count the what is it Allstate <laughs> commercials. He's the Allstate guy. Hey, the Allstate, yeah. yeah. Um, he's in he, he's in Heat, but he's not in it very much, right? Yeah, right. He plays that ex-con cook who's trying to go straight, and his boss well, that's just keeps right. fucking that's him right. over, and he's got that wife who's like, "It's fine, baby, just be a." dishwasher or busboy or whatever at least you're free and then uh-huh. robert de niro comes up to him he's like listen I, you know i need a driver and and then he just tells his abusive boss to fuck off and he goes back and, and of course he gets killed immediately and uh, 
Prime, right. Prime doesn't pay, I guess. But but yeah, it, it, <laughs> not to get off on a tangent, but it, it makes you realize how hard it is for some of these guys who get out of prison and they're just oh sure by the system and can never get out yep. of that. So there's no... No, that was a that was a really cool little plot. I mean, yeah, I li- I like heat a lot. That's uh that's something that's grown on me with each yeah subsequent viewing. And and Dennis Haysbert is is a part of that. And I I've never seen twenty four. Oh God. So yeah, it's so for me it's major league and all state commercials. Yeah. Well, I mean he's one of these guys <laughs> who's been in a thing. lot of stuff. Like if you look at his filmography, sure. you're gonna recognize a ton of shit he's been in. But in terms of you know cultural uh, recognition. Uh, 24 i think put him put him kind of on the map after being mostly a supporting guy he got the lead in some other after 24 ended or or at least after his tenure on it ended um he was in mm. some show on like one of those cbs it wasn't like a csi show but it was like one of those uh that there's the unit or something you know cliched like that where he, right where he actually played <laughs> the lead he was the head of some special ops unit or something. i never watched it and i don't mm-hmm. i don't know if it was a hit or what but uh, anyway i think he's a great actor he's got such a distinctive uh, voice and and also just presence he's huge and and all that and I, again everybody in this movie yeah. is is cast pitch perfectly so absolutely uh let's see what else are we missing anything here are we i feel like we're not doing renee russo a great service but <laughs> she's she's behringer's well, I mean, ex we... uh, you know they they like you said they yeah. they sort of separated when they were younger although by this movie's logic younger i think it was they said something like three years she's like i haven't even seen you in three years and probably he was yeah <laughs> he was served with a paternity test and you know he's always just kind of the, the philanderer hot sports guy and yeah um she was supposed to be an olympic athlete and they had they they fell out and then he comes back to town and wants to reconnect with her and she's about to get married to the aforementioned suck my dick guy and he's trying to <laughs> stop that um they're they're good together she's great in this movie uh, obviously her career takes off after this uh corbin burnson i guess he was huge at the time with la law um he's more or less the equal of Behringer and Sheen in terms of billing and being on the poster, right? Or maybe even second yep. build. I don't know. Yeah. Oh was, yeah. Yeah. He was, he was, he's on the poster for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't remember where he comes. He's either right before, or right after Sheen. Behringer gets top billing and then it's, but yeah, he, he's, he's also great in psych a couple decades later. Uh, but there he's, he's, you know, he's overweight and kind of balding and that's not a bad thing. He, he's just as charismatic and, and it's a great show. And it's great that he is clearly the opposite of the vein character he he played in this and so he continues to be a a good good actor i haven't seen him in anything in a little while but i know we're a little young real quick i know we're a little young but did you watch la law yeah i remember watching it it's just like being i never went back as an adult and like sat down and checked it out or binged it or or whatever so yeah same i I watched it when i was you know nine ten eleven years old but only because my mom was watching it, so I didn't really like pay attention. The cast was always very appealing, and it seemed like it was a it was a botchko show, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, I just yeah, I just so remember it, it being a thing. I remember people wearing T-shirts with that yeah. license plate uh, cover, you know, the, or the uh-huh. title card, I guess I should say, that said "L.A. Law" in it. I remember some of the characters. There was Benny, the mentally handicapped guy played yep. by Larry Drake, Doctor Giggles. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, good cast. I don't, I don't know. I was too young to probably really get into it. S- same with stuff like, right. you know, Moonlighting and 
Hill Street Blues and some of these kind of seminal shows that I just I remember being part of the conversation and kind of in my periphery. Uh, and 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 I know I sat there watching them, but I don't I don't remember a ton about them. I probably didn't like them that much, but I, I do remember shit like you know Magnum PI. I'd watch all the time, and I'd watch Miami Vice, and I'd watch uh, Hunter, yeah. and I'd watch the A Team, and Without Hunter, you know. <laughs> A Team and Hunter, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So yeah. it probably was just the fact that okay, some law drama is not right. not my thing but but yeah i'd like to check it right. out again but i'm also nervous to go back and watch those because like we were talking about the top with the matthew perry stuff who knows man even the ones i love i can recognize really don't hold up so i don't know what i think yeah. about something where i'm like okay show me what was so special about this show in 1986 like i don't, I don't know if that's gonna <laughs> right gonna translate or, or work right know. moonlighting is gonna be I guess I, I keep seeing tweets about how it's going to finally be streaming on some streaming service. And I was thinking maybe I should on Hulu. Yeah. yeah. Check that out after, after all these. Yeah. Years. I'd like to, I watched it as a kid, but uh, don't, I, I don't remember much about it. I remember the, it would, all, all I could tell you is it's him and Sybil Shepard arguing. Right. A lot. Right. That's all I remember. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's, yeah, I'm sure it's a little more than that, but I, yeah, yeah that's kind of okay. all I remember too. And I remember some, I don't know if it yeah. was towards the end of the run or whatever, where they, he finally, you know, cause the whole thing is they're dancing around whether or not they actually like each other. Right. And so mm-hmm. I, I remember some scene where he like crashes her car cause she's with some other guy or something like that. And, like he he beats it up in like a parking garage, just crashing it into shit. I, that's literally all I remember about watching that show as a kid. And I might even have that whole scenario wrong, but that's just what's always <laughs> set in my head. So I'll give it a I'll give it a spin yeah, and see how I, many episodes before I realize it's dated and too weird to <laughs> try to watch. For its yeah. time and yeah. not now, right? <laughs> Never know. Could always yeah. be surprised. But um, mm-hmm. Let's see what else we got here. Uh, we talked a little bit about Harris. You know, he's Bardall, Vagisil, and you trying to say Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball. Uh, oh, up your butt, Joe Boo. That's another, Joe Boo, another yeah. great line. Um, yeah. CC Pedro. Yeah. <laughs> the bullpen car is another nice little touch for a, a quick laugh. They didn't really have to bother with uh, or Berger's like, I need, a, I need a car. He's got to go chase after Rene Russo. And the security guy's like, oh, take the bullpen car. And it's just this uh, Cleveland Indians, uh, like, batting helmet. A with, big, silly batting helmet yeah, car. Yeah, with, a golf cart, essentially. Yeah, yeah, with, like, big bats as the uh, the, the handles and uh-huh. and all that. Uh-huh. And he drives it down the street to our house, wherever that is. Yeah. They make it seem like it's right next to the <laughs> the uh, stadium or whatever. Right. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, that's funny. I was trying to figure out where that was in Milwaukee, by the way. Well, they said they did a bunch of the exterior shots in Cleveland. They just couldn't film at the Cleveland Stadium because of the, the sure. baseball schedule. So who knows? That could also be. I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I don't know where they shot. The restaurant that they that Taylor sees Russo for the first time is on uh, Good Hope Road. I think it's like a comedy club or a nightclub right now, but it's really it's still out there on like 60th and Good Hope. I'd say. Wow, of all the places for a big elegant right. restaurant <laughs> right you think it'd be downtown <laughs> yeah nope <laughs> um another another bit or whatever that's kind of funny kind of like the bullpen car is uh where they they bring in serrano wants to sacrifice a chicken so they bring in a, a mm-hmm. kfc bucket and they go they go all right here you go so like you said one whole chicken which <laughs> that's that's funny just just because it's funny but it's also not Super funny, but it's yeah. just like a, a way this movie is kind of committed to a gag. Like, you didn't even have to bother with that. They just put it in there, and then you think, okay, well, yep. what's the point of that? And then 
later on when they're starting to lose the game, somebody goes, should have gotten the live chicken. <laughs> it's just yeah. it's a funny little <laughs> callback. I mean, again, it, it's one of those things that me saying it or on paper, it's not funny, but I, I appreciate a movie that can call back to, to other things. And it just has these, right. these little touches just for a quick. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you find yourself looking at the, at the entire group of people you have in front of you and, and what, what makes a team, what makes a team good. And it's not always, I know this is a very obvious thing I'm saying, but yeah, you know, what makes a team good? You have a bunch of different characters who are able to meld together and you have the, you have the Sheen and, uh, Burns and you have the, you have Joe Boo or I'm sorry, Serrano and <laughs> Harris. You have, you know, you just have like these little yeah. guys who would never get along in real life are put together for a whole you know six eight months or whatever and when it when it works well it works well when you when you do it and it works well it's it makes for an even better movie just because you're rooting for every little side story going on too and and the movie like this just knows how to hit it all in a baseball term hit it out of the park with <laughs> with, with, with how they execute it yeah 100 percent. i mean it's it's like we've been saying this whole time a, a damn near perfect movie it's certainly a, yeah. a great comedy um and yeah it's fun seeing the old county stadium again and the the signs like the the wtmj4 stuff and we'll get into this a little bit yeah. in basketball too but they have some of the same stuff going on where they they put the journal sentinel uh, sign yeah. there and upn 24 yeah. <laughs> right exactly i don't know if you caught that yep. yeah <laughs> yep. much a little more of its time but uh yeah still <laughs> whatever yeah. yeah yeah 10 years later it's funny what uh, what that'll do but yeah, I I wrote in my notes for some reason. Uh, this is a better movie than Top Gun. <laughs> I don't I don't know why I, I put that in there, but <laughs> I stand by it. Yeah, I, I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <I'll... laughs> I think what was going I'll on was on well, I think what was happening is I was talking, I was watching it with the kids, right, and they and they go, "Where do we know mm-hmm. that guy from?" They're talking about Charlie Sheen, and I was trying to think of movies they might have seen him in, and, and this is one we forgot to mention too, but that's Hot Shots, which is a, a Top Gun. Oh spoof and i think i i think i said yeah. something to him like yeah that's that's actually a better movie than top gun and i'm actually or i said actually this is also a better movie than top mm-hmm. gun so <laughs> oh i see so fuck it i'll throw All that right. out there that i stand by that major league yeah. is a is a better movie than top gun that's your official big 40 absolutely and so is hot shots yeah and so is hot shots. i'll i'll double down on your hot yeah. take <laughs> hot take hot shot take yeah. Oh, oh yeah. nice. Yeah. I mean, you know, not, not that hard. It was right there for me, but uh, I'll, take, <laughs> right. I'll take credit for it. Um, okay. As you should. F- fucking, you know, four stars, I think is, is no surprise for, for me on this yes, one. And for both of us. Yeah. 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 Definitely one of the, like I said, greatest, greatest comedies of all time. Um, definitely top tier. Totally. Comedy. Yep. Just uh, just gotta gotta wrestle a little bit with the Caddyshack comparison, but I guess it's <laughs> we just... between those two for me. So <laughs> yeah, that's all right. You want to uh, do the bo- now? Why did you want to do the? Bo- you want to like see if I know it, or you want me to do it to you? What, what were you, you said uh, I want to do oh, the box we... up. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Do you want to do it at the end of this movie or at the end of the show? Well, let's do it at the end of this movie. We're gonna have to do the end. Of, we're gonna have to do uh, baseball's box office too, right? All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hold on. I. There we go. All right, I got it up. Okay, great. Uh, Too much information. Number one. <laughs> number one. <laughs> number one 
Uh, it was a movie we did on this podcast. I do know that Major League was the number one movie of its weekend. So okay, how much did it make though? Like it six made, or it made it made eight point eight that that weekend and grossed dang near fifty million by its total domestic run. So yeah, I saw it did uh, seventy five overall uh you know worldwide oh wow okay and uh a, oh, world. Okay. on a budget of 11 million dollars so um wow <laughs> big hit especially for the time especially yep. if you i don't know uh, was it maybe two and a half times that now in terms of tickets so you're looking at a yep. 150 to 200 million dollar movie somewhere in there shit pretty good yep. pretty good that's uh yeah and and it, unfortunately its sequels were not as good but uh that it also didn't have many of the same people or just couldn't capture the well, i remember when the second one came out i was like oh cool but then i realized it was rated pg um it does have the three yeah. main guys right or maybe sheen didn't come back who's who's not in that one snipes snipes isn't in that one he uh, omar epps You're right is Willie but is, is, is sheen one. in it yeah i think sheen and Berenger are in it i know Berenger and corbin burnson are in it Oh yeah, maybe Sheen isn't it. I, I don't know. Uh, I, it's been. I didn't like it. No, me neither. Well, I only saw it the one time, but yeah, it was yeah. kind of like this is just a rehash, warmed over. Um, mm-hmm. Who knows? It might be one of those movies now, where it's like, ah, eh, maybe it's not so bad. Like you, we, I, I forgot to go circle back to this when we were talking about, it, but you mentioned um, the whole ten yards, which I thought was terrible, like just a, a real piece of shit. <laughs> and at the time, yeah. there, there was one really funny scene where they're doing shots where Matthew Perry is has got that same kind of kinetic fire that he had in the first one and willis is very funny in it um i'm sure there's other scenes that are, are you know it's not the only scene where they have that but the the movie just seems like such a tire just cashing in on a movie that was like a right. minor hit that nobody asked for a sequel to but they did it anyway and sure. they could they could make a, a small profit off it and just not good but then again i saw it the one time I, I was completely unimpressed, and I probably had higher expectations. Probably the same with Major League Two. I do wonder if sometimes you watch some of these movies, however many years removed, without any expectations, already thinking they're fucking awful. If you'd be like, "Ah, you know what? That wasn't so bad," or maybe that part was funny, or maybe I didn't get right. credit for that. So, uh, anyway, to look at the poster for Major League Two, it is Charlie Sheen top build over Tom Berenger now. Uh, then Tom Berenger, and then Corbin Burnson are the three principals. Uh, Dennis Haysbert returns, James Gammon, Omar Epps, uh, David Keith is in it, and oh. and Margaret right. Winton is back. The one thing I'll say about movies like that, though, is a lot of times a lot of those people are just almost glorified cameos. Well, yeah, they're not. They're oh. they're like in it, but they're not. Yeah, it's like Caddyshack too. You know, uh, Chevy Chase and Bill Murray are are in it, and they're on the poster and shit, but they're not like. They just come in, phone in a scene just to, it briefly. Well, yeah. I think it's just to say like, oh, they're back too, everybody. So like, come on, see this movie. But it's, <laughs> it's really a whole different thing. So yeah. I don't know if that's where what Major League Two is like or, or not. Again, I haven't seen it in so long. But uh, right. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I, I'd, I'd be willing to check it out. And then there was another one, Back to the Miners. Am I correct about that? Yeah, that was the third one, one I think. Well, who yeah. the hell's in that? I don't know if there's been three or I know I'm going way off book here. Uh no, you're good. Major League back to. I don't think even Euchre's in. I know Euchre's in two. Oh, is he? I don't think even you. Yeah, I don't know if he's in three. Back to the Miners is 1998, written and directed by John Warren. It's a it's the third installment <laughs> in the Major League film it. series. Yeah, but it's considered a standalone sequel. 
Oh, here's the cast. Scott Bakula. Yeah, I kind of remember that. Corbin Burnson's in it. Dennis Haysbert's oh, yeah, in it. Okay. Tataki Ishibashi. Oh, yeah, I remember. Who I think I remember the two. commercials yeah. for this. Ted McGinley's in it. Bob yeah. Uecker's in it. Um, wow. All right, so he did three. Yeah. Uh, reception. Film flopped at the box office, grossly only $3.6 million in ticket sales against a budget of $18 million. Critical response, uh, 21% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Audiences gave it a B-. David S. Ward, the writer and producer of the original Major League, announced in 2010 that he was working on a new film, which he calls Major League 3, which instead acts as a proper sequel to the second film and hoped the cast of the original stars Charlie Sheen, Wesley Snipes, and Tom Berenger would return. Plot would have seen Sheen's character Ricky Wildthing Vaughn coming out of retirement to work with a young player. I guess that never really went anywhere, but that doesn't sound like it'd be very yeah. good anyway. Why the hell would... It's one thing if Charlie Sheen's coming out, but why would you also have Tom Berenger, who was already the older guy in the... <laughs> yeah, and what's Snipes gonna... Is Snipes just gonna... <laughs> I mean, why would any of those like, guys you know, do? Like, I don't know, I could go off on a whole tangent on some of these movies that have been brought back. Well, I think, I think, like I said, it'd probably be one of these sort of, quote, legacy sequels where these guys would just be sort of in the periphery and kind of circling around yeah. whatever characters they... Which... I don't like They're that either. Nostalgia. Yeah, well, it's like I the, the yeah. last Bad Boys or, you know, the Expendables. And those are just the two things that popped into my head. But it's kind of yeah. like you're you're here because you want to see these guys, not see some younger actors take the spotlight. Right. And then these guys just be supporting roles or pass the baton or whatever bullshit. Just call that movie some other fucking thing. Like if you can't make a movie <laughs> right. or figure out a, a plot or write a script that engages the people that we actually care about then don't fucking bother and just make it smart. And don't even a, put them in it. Right. Yeah, well, it's a cynical way of getting butts in the seats yeah. with a recognizable IP, and it's just it's fucking horseshit, and it drives me nuts. Yeah. So. Uh, anyway, I'm sorry. So we've we've gotten through no, one okay. fucking movie on this. <laughs> yeah. One movie. Um, our number two movie is also a new movie this week. It is uh, ensemble comedy uh, starring an actor that you like very much. Hmm. Um. It's new this week. It's new this week as well. April ensemble yeah. comedy. Uh, I'd say it's an ensemble comedy. Yeah. Uh, main, I mean, the the guy you like is the main character, but it's still. All right. Well, um, g- give me something. Give me something more than some other characters. Christopher Lloyd. Oh, uh, this being the dream team with Michael Keaton. There you go. Nice. There you go. <laughs> wow. That opened a number yep. two. Made, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Made 5.7 million. Okay. Um, number three won Best Picture a month earlier, so it was the 1988 Best Picture winner. Uh, Rain Man? Yep, there you go. Okay. Uh, number four is also new, and it's what I remember is the first movie, but I think he did uh, something else a year before. Anyways, it's one of the newer movies of this guy's, it's a canon film. One of the uh, new- It's an action film. Oh, so is this a um, is this a Van Dam? Yeah, look at you! You're <laughs> a yep. canon film in '89. Is this Cyborg? This Cyborg. Nice. <laughs> yep. All right. I've never even seen it. I just I remember. Well, that movie. funny, funny little it. tidbit about that movie is that uh, they were the canon did the Masters of the Universe movie, and there was supposed to be a sequel. And then that movie flopped so hard mm-hmm. that they just repurposed the sets for uh, Cyborg. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Made that instead. Just bullshit. 
that's pretty that's funny. <laughs> another reason I always like Seagal yeah. better than Van Dam. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I didn't find that out until years later, but uh, I still like Seagal okay. better than Van Dam. I don't know. Not, I mean, not now, like, but just those, right. those early no, movies. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. I can't wait till uh, we get to our first Steven Seagal movie on this podcast. <clears throat> we haven't done a Seagal movie, have we? Well, they, they haven't been 40 years old yet, so. No, or no, or no bonus episodes either. No bonus episodes, but I think we optioned on Deadly Ground for some reason. I don't remember what we were talking about where that Ooh. fell in. Well, there was some Maybe reason we were going to do that. Like, well, no, but I think like you were saying, I was saying how it's actually kind of aged well, and it, you know, I, I didn't like it at the mm. time either. Like a lot of people, I felt like I was just kind of defending it just because I liked Seagal. But now I watch it and I, I thoroughly enjoy that movie, uh, warts and all, and even because of some of its warts, I think it's pretty fucking good and i don't know it, it came up as something like i think when we were talking about some of stallone's flops or whatever that were actually pretty good we were mm. like oh we should also do or, or willis probably because we were talking about a bunch of his shit yeah um anyway yeah keep that one on your, on your back burner so okay okay yeah definitely i i've only seen it like twice so all right number five is in its second week it is a sequel it stars a comedian uh, I don't. I don't know anything about these movies. I've never seen. Uh, there has only been two of them. This is '89, and this is the sequel. Alum. Yeah, it's an SNL alum. '89, a sequel. Um, was the first one yeah. a big hit? I mean, if it got a sequel, I'm guessing. Yeah. But was it like? Is it like culturally a big hit or like a? I would say more, uh, not cult hit, but more like just kind of has its niche audience of people i i only hear like random people talk about this movie every once in a while okay uh, and the sequel give you the star no the sequel is okay. was this a hit i guess if it opened a number five or whatever it's not this made 2.6 that weekend and overall made sorry uh 33 million so not bad um and it's a saturday night live star alum alum yep. so we're, done, we're talking like yep. a 70s ah yep. this is fletch lives thanks boom baby nicely done nice. nicely done trying to think who just had two sequels now that movie i think made some money even though it's considered pretty bad yeah i saw that at the time actually a couple times watched it on vhs i remember kind of liking it just because i was a young kid and i liked any silly comedy there's a very funny sure moment oh and here's where we talked about it i mentioned this once before where he tries to pretend to be the owner of harley davidson or the inventor oh yeah he did bring that up yeah, yeah. he's undercover and he's <laughs> yeah. some motorcycle mm. gang's about to kick his ass and he's like don't you know who i am milwaukee wisconsin and yeah and that's why we i brought that up that one so. <laughs> that's right anyway okay yes uh, i have not seen it since i was a kid i i feel like i remember it pretty well and remember that Looking back, everything I thought was probably funny about it is not. Uh, but I, I do think Fletcher right. is, a, is a solid movie. It's a solid character. Chevy Chase is good, despite the fact that it, it feels like he's cashing a paycheck. So, all right, I don't know. Do you want to keep going through ten, or how do you want to do this? <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put you through ten. Here. Okay. Uh, we're on number six already. Okay. Number six is the fourth new movie. So the four of the top six movies are new releases. This is a different time in yeah. in theaters, that's for sure. Yep, more movies. Um, this is uh, this movie stars Nicole Kidman. Deadcom. There you go. Okay. Uh, number seven, 
I'm not even gonna. Number seven's the rescuers. I don't think we need to. It's Disney's the rescuers. I don't think we need. To. You could have said like I a. I wouldn't even know. A Disney just... adventurous rodent film. I probably would have gotten it. Rodent. Yeah. If I said rodent. Yeah. I just felt like skipping yeah. right through that. To okay. get to number eight. Uh, number eight is a great movie. Uh, it stars Morgan Freeman. April of '89. Uh oh, is this Driving Miss Daisy? No. Ooh, Morgan Freeman and it didn't. It's a Warner Brothers release. Well, all right. Uh, he's the he's oh, lean the on star. me. Um, yes. Yep. Yeah. So when was Driving uh, Miss that Daisy? Its... That was '89, right? Because that won the best 90... picture of '89. It uh, won best picture of it. Yeah, it came out like late. late okay. Yeah, you're right. right. Later '89, it came out. Okay, Sorry. Cool. I saw it in like March of '90. That's what I'm thinking. Got it. Um, all right. And we should say Number this: nine, this uh, top ten list is all pre like Batman and Lethal Weapon two and Ghostbusters two right. and all the Indiana Still Jones, all the big uh, summer shit. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Number nine. That so was a big year. Number nine is um, an Orion Pictures. Ooh. Film. It's in its fifth week. Ooh. And uh, that's pretty good for an Orion Pictures film. Yeah. Well, this is probably back uh, when Orion had something a little more than they did <laughs> moving forward, but as bankruptcy will. I feel like I, <laughs> bankruptcy will do that. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think of a good hint without giving it away. Just it's give me a, like what, what kind of movie? comedy. Buddy? Like Buddy, buddy Cops? Buddy comedy. Cops? Stoner. Stoner Buddy Stoner comedy. from Orion. Stoner Buddy comedy. Bill and Ted? Yep. Yep. All right. Nicely done. Thanks. That's in its fifth week, and it made 1.4 million. Um, the last film. What's that up 10, to? Week five. Uh, Bill and Ted. It's only it's only making it 1.4. It's got to be tapping out. What's it got at that point? 33 mil. Hmm. Not bad. So no. let's say it it gets to almost 40, and like we were saying, that's that's almost 100 million in today's dollars. Let's see why it got a sequel. And oh yeah. A couple sequels. Still never saw. Not to mention a cult hit. Uh, and, Bogus Journey. Uh, Bogus Journey, right. like a lot of people think, is better. I haven't watched either one of them in so long. I know that new one came out a couple of years ago, and I was like, "Oh, I want to yeah. check it out." And then I never. I meant to watch the first two, and then watch that, and I did, but I was, you know, out of my fucking mind, and I never really retained mm-hmm. any of it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Number ten is a period piece. Ooh. And it is um, directed by Stephen Frears. Uh, it has um, somebody. Well, it's got Uma Thurman and Keanu Reeves in it, but they are not stars. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What is this? Um, I know this movie. Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh fuck! Don't don't give me any more. I I know it. I can picture the box. Um, I know you know it. Yeah. Dangerous liaisons. I always picture the box. There you go. Yeah. I never saw that at all. Is it good? Um, I I don't know. I haven't seen it in a long time. I okay. I was young right. when I saw it, and it was over my head probably. So, sure. It's not one of those movies we've grown up where people well, are like, "Oh, you gotta see Dangerous Liaisons." Is that Daniel no, Day Lewis? Is that who's in there? Who's the main it's, guy? Ah, uh, no, Malkovich. Oh, Malkovich, Malkovich and Glenn sure, Close. Sure. Wasn't yep. Lewis in a movie similar to that right around the same time? Yeah. Oh, Age of Innocence is what I'm thinking of. That was a couple years later. Though. Age of Innocence. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ninety. Three. Yeah. Glad we put all, all right, it together. Break? Yeah, you want a break? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You want a break? All right. Be back. Sorry, my my uh, five-year-old had to inform me. She said, "How's the podcast going?" I'm like, "Good. I'm on a break." And uh, she's like, 
I saw she was watching the new Paw Patrol movie that she just got today. Oh. <laughs> I know a couple people have and taken said, their kids you... to see that or whatever. I'm like, what the fuck? Really? <laughs> yeah, because in theaters apparently, unless they're two different things, I don't, I don't know. No, it was yeah, it was in theaters like a month ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I said, how do you rate it? She said, a hundred out of a hundred. And I'm like, nice. all right. <laughs> You're like, well, you'll never be on our podcast. Fuck you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You're not my daughter. Get your the fuck shit out opinions here. to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, and that's why you'll never be on this podcast. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> All right, I'm pulling out my basketball notes here. All right. Uh, yeah, basketball. This fucking movie. Um. <laughs> Basketball was released on July 31st, 1998. Uh, Before I forget, I remember being in a class, college, I guess, reading Entertainment Weekly. And uh, as as I did from, I remember when I was, it it was like 1990, my mom got me an Entertainment Weekly subscription because one of those, remember people used to come to your house and they'd be like, here, pick three magazine subscriptions or free for a year or some shit. and. And I don't know what she got for it. Probably some like candy bars or who knows. But anyway, so she got me that. And she's like, here, I thought you would like this. And I remember living for that fucking thing to show up every Friday. Uh, I would have the news of the last now on, by Sunday. You know what was the number one movie at the box office and stuff like that. And I think at a certain yeah. point, our local paper started printing them on like Monday or something or, or maybe the five. No, it wasn't yeah. even Monday. Actually, USA Today and stuff started doing it on Monday in the 90s. But I remember we it was maybe the following friday or even sunday or something like that is where they would tell you what was the the big movie of the previous week so anyway it was it was super cool to get this magazine it had not just big movie reviews and articles but it had all these charts not just for movies but for music and tv and everything and i just remember devouring that shit but anyway that was 1990 i think that had a lot to do with how much i really got into movies and that's part of the reason why I know some of these box office stats because it's just it's something I, sure. I did for it's ingrained in you. yeah from yeah. ninety you, to you at it. Yep. to very recently I don't keep up with it as much anymore but uh, at least up until probably around twenty twenty or something pre pandemic but mm. anyway so I remember reading in in ninety eight they had like a summer movie previews they would have every probably March or something and they'd kind of predict what movies they thought were going to be big hits and what was gonna breakout and all this stuff and their top what what they thought were going to be the top 10 highest grossing movies of 1998 was pretty much obvious stuff like uh you know you had armageddon and deep impact godzilla saving private ryan godzilla yeah all that all the big Mm -hmm. event movies i remember they picked this one maybe to be the 10th highest grosser of the i don't know it was year or summer i probably summer and they thought it was going to make around 100 million dollars now, not to bury yeah. the the lead or or jump into <laughs> this movie has a budget of twenty five million dollars. Its entire box office gross was seven million dollars. It opened number eleven. I saw that today. Yeah, number <laughs> eleven with three point whatever change, and uh, obviously a huge disappointment. Now, even a budget of twenty five million dollars, you don't need to be a hundred million dollars, especially back in the nineties to to be big but yeah. it's it's insane to me that coming off a huge hit that is south park uh granted first first season so maybe it's a little more of a cult right. thing or a niche thing at the time and then david zucker director of naked gun uh could not 
parlay this into something more than seven million dollars at the box office. I don't. We I guess we'll get into what we think of this movie and whether we think the quality warranted it, and that's maybe what killed it. But I'm just surprised that on paper it's the kind of movie that you would think would open to twenty million dollars or something like that, and then absolutely just on yeah. I I remember it being pretty well hyped, and I I wanted to uh, real quick say your your Entertainment Weekly story gave me some good nostalgia because I was always aware of it, but never really read it until I, when me and you lived together and you would get it and, you know, I'd be out on the couch. So I just read it every week after you were done with it. And I ended up getting, after I moved out, I ended up getting it and had it for another probably eight to 10 years after that. Do you remember when they switched to like a bi-weekly and then like a monthly and it just sort of petered out and and they stopped even having, I was done with it. They they got rid of the format altogether. It became more of like an us weekly thing where the movie reviews were these little blurbs and it was more about like just pictures of celebrities and shit. And you could tell they were trying to compete with the internet and they'd sweat like, um, what's the, what was the, Kristen Stewart, oh, um, Twilight. Yeah, right. They'd sweat the Twilight movies like multiple articles per week about yeah. it. And it was so obviously right. It was just trying to paid put for. something on the cover. Yeah. I mean, even if it wasn't, even if it was just right. them going like, "Hey, subscriptions even are down. What's the like hot thing?" Yeah, and that's and that's yeah. what it turned into. And it's it's unfortunate, but it, it wasn't just them. All magazines right around 2010, yep. 2012 really had like a might even been a little early in that like a crisis of of conscience where they had to figure out are we gonna just do this same thing as subscribers diminish and people more and more are just reading us online um or are we gonna try to compete and then what's we got to kind of be like the magazine of the internet or whatever you know what i'm saying like yeah to try to make the magazine look the way it would if you were reading it on the internet. rolling stones gone through this oh multiple times they remember when they reduced the size of their cover to like a more of a normal magazine and thought that was gonna somehow Help yes. things, and they were like, "Oh, nobody like that." So let's just bring it back, and uh, so yeah, it's yeah. Just, and then fire a bunch of journalists and change their way of yeah. model. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's it's been a really weird time, kind of growing up. When I used to love, I would look forward to the Friday USA Today. I didn't, I didn't subscribe and read yeah. it, but I would. Their life section was like a a mini Entertainment Weekly or something on on those Fridays. It was all the movie reviews, yeah, music movie reviews, reviews the albums, yeah. all that shit. It was it was great. Yeah. Um, Yep. Even our journal Sentinel for a long time was was pretty good about for a long their, time where their great. supplemental yeah. stuff and it's it's just been so disheartening to watch that fall by the wayside. Now I'm I'm just as guilty of being like oh I want to see the the review of the new thing or whatever and I, you just go online and so I don't need to go buy the journal Sentinel and that's, yeah that's unfortunate but um but yeah I, anyway Entertainment Weekly was one of those things where I I just watched it slowly just deteriorate and and literally just kind of right. disintegrate in my hands and. Um, I did this thing, and I don't know if you remember this, when, when I, from about 1992 to, I think I made it 20 years. I just forced myself to do it till uh, uh, 2012. I would take my favorite articles or pictures or posters or reviews or whatever it was that I wanted to save, and I would put them into a scrapbook, and then I'd toss the magazine. And so I've still got these yep. these probably 10 or, or 12 still got those, eh? big-ass yep. scrapbooks. I have not looked through them in, in a long time. Um, one of these days I'm going to pull them all out and like dig through it. Cause like I said, this goes back to eighth grade is when I first started doing this. The initial ones were just right. the movie posters that you would used to get in magazines or on the back, like comic books, you know, it'd just be a mini, like, mm. like a, yep. a magazine page size, a uh, picture of a movie poster. So I, I was saving first. I was just saving all of them. I'm like, this is cool. What if I make a book of all these? Then I just started doing it with the ones that I really liked and cared about. And then I was like, well, let me cut out this 
review too where they gave uh you know this movie i really liked an a or something and it just snowballed from there like every single picture of a celebrity i liked every glowing review of a movie or an album i liked and i did that for like 12 years and you know, oh dude sorry 20 years till 2012 yeah no i gotta yeah. i gotta yeah I definitely got to pull them out and, and look through them all sometime. But the problem is it's, it's super geared towards shit that I like. Right. So even though I probably have some overlap with other people, they're going to probably be like, why is this one have so much Bruce Springsteen? And they're like, why is this all about 24? Yeah. Whatever, whatever thing I was like obsessed with for Fucking Mel five years. Again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you would, you would think that if, if those were the, that was all that was left in, you know, say a, time capsule right. and somebody tried to look at that as like representing yeah. entertainment you'd think it was all just like steven seagal movies and lethal weapon sequels and shit. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> and like billy joel like what a weird yeah what a I weird, was... uh, <laughs> thing this was michael jackson yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway that so they i remember reading this article where they thought it was gonna be this hundred million dollar grocer it was it was not that basically it was a massive flop do you think it deserved to be a flop peter or what, what do you what do you think you think the the fucking cultural consensus is more moronic <laughs> I, than okay, the two so... in this movie on, on this or <laughs> my my consensus of this movie is is even though it's not the traditional zucker brothers movie where it's uh constant um farcical humor sure. or whatever however you want to pull it put it uh this movie does come at you with a thousand things yep. guns loaded yep yep regardless yeah guns loaded and guns blazing it really is going to depend on your on your tolerance for it uh, i think there was some scene uh, there was scenes where i just i was laughing like out loud laughing right yeah. and then there are some scenes i literally almost hit the fast forward button because i was getting <laughs> so uncomfortable at how like this was just not working and they're still doing it oh i can't wait to hear so it. yeah <laughs> um so i yeah i i'm still surprised it was a flop to be honest with you i seems like a kind of I, dumb shit america would have eaten it. up like at the beginning of it, it just, when they're like yeah here's here's how fucking stupid you all are when it comes to sports uh -huh. you think they're also like yeah and that movies was really too good. yeah give yeah. us all your money yeah. uh -huh. <laughs> mm -hmm. oh yeah that opening scene is great <laughs> right yeah it uh it was rolling the first half hour or so and yeah well like all then, these movies plot uh, must intrude and yeah. then you gotta go through some of the stagnation of just getting through that shit. yeah but right I, I don't know this movie never loses me per se I, I there's parts i think are funnier than others and there's like i guess i do get that how the midsection is like uh maybe just a little more work like it, it's uh, for the movie you know the, the movie's just working yeah. it out but i don't know there's always some shit going on or some visual gag or some yeah, it, matt and trey are so good like it, it's crazy that i mean you, you think of their strength as writers or voice actors or whatever for mm -hmm. for south park right and, and south park right. i don't know how you came to south park i didn't like it initially but i i, I was just being a same I, I don't know i don't know if i i truly didn't like it if i was just being a dick because i think it was like the hot new thing and you know how i am i'm like what well, fuck the hot new thing. like yeah. i don't i don't care i'd seen it once yeah yeah, I saw one episode in the summer of 97, didn't think a thing of it, right. uh, and then I became a contrarian. I'm like, eh, I don't get the hype. This is no, but here's... dumb. I wasn't a fan of the movie. Well, here's my thing. So I remember seeing it later than that, even. And I, I think I'd already probably maybe been like, I don't know what's so... Like, oh, they're cartoons and they're swearing? Oh, cool, guys. And 
And I remember right. even when we were living in that apartment on Capitol, so that was a couple years later, 99 probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember watching, so so we're two seasons into South Park at this point, and it might have even been season three by that point, and uh, basketball, so well aware of Matt and Trey. I was still perplexed based on whatever episode I just happened to catch, but there was something in it that I guess planted a little seed of, uh, oh, this this could be good or 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 that was funny or wow that was weird or or it, it wasn't just it, once i realized it wasn't about kids just kind of swearing and that was the whole thing uh even though that's right that is a big part of it and, and their voices are obnoxious and i can see why people would just be would would say that's all it is i i was kind of like okay maybe maybe these guys are, are funny and i don't know if subconsciously i was also thinking i liked basketball at the time and so then uh you know fast forward a little bit and then Post 9-11, I remember watching some of it, and that's when it got, like, really good. When they started really dipping into some of the... Po- there's there's a, that funny 9-11 episode where the kids go to uh, capture Osama bin Laden or whatever. Um, <laughs> I, I'm trying to remember. It's like, a, yeah. like Cartman's kind of playing the bugs to Osama's... Daffy or, or Elmer Fudd and <laughs> yes. just yes. <laughs> uh, but even before that, there was some episodes where I, I remember after after the movie, like you said, we saw the movie. I remember people are like, "The movie's so great, you got to see, you got to see it to believe it." I think I, I don't know if we went together. I saw it once, and then I remember taking a girlfriend to see it. So I know I saw it at least twice in the theater. I don't know if we saw it together the first time or not. We might have because I saw it like four times in yeah. the theater. So. And I was yeah. I I had no idea what it was in for. And I I gotta think I started to watch the show after that and and there's some right. there's some episodes i remember pre that 9-11 stuff i was talking about but i think 9-11 when they started finally doing some of the the political satire and became probably a better place to get political information and commentary or at least satire on mm-hmm. on politics than than real news outlets and whatnot um i was i was just all in and it's still a fucking great show to this it's that that heyday of like 99 to uh i don't know 2015 or something like it's a huge run better than the oh, simpsons they were on a better than huge run yeah, yeah. uh yeah no i totally agree. and even now it's i think it's still good it's just it, it doesn't quite have the same spark or, or maybe we're just older and kind of over trying to keep up with the show every year or whatever but <laughs> there yeah i think that plays a big part of it like i'm just like if if there's something trendy going on i yeah. don't know if i even care enough to yeah. watch them satirize it so well not only that but like can you even find it now it's like it's on some streaming service that you yeah, gotta well, pay t- for and if you don't have yeah. cable you don't have comedy sense you know fucking bullshit like that so. right yeah like there'll be a, a new paramount plus exclusive yeah. i'm like i don't even know if i have paramount right. plus <laughs> <laughs> am i, I stealing a code for know. that what friend can yeah and by the time you go through all that <laughs> right. you forget about it and you're on to something else i know it's such bullshit yeah. or they they fucking cancel it and then you're like okay well yeah i'm gonna wait for a show to be out for like five years now before i start to even <laughs> think about binging it or it's a good idea <laughs> um okay so what the fuck was i talking about okay so yeah that that heyday was insane train, man. yeah and so they yeah they've really won me over and this movie, um, I think, I guess what I was saying was that they did not write it, and that's their strength is as these satirists and sort of um, mm-hmm. anarchistic voices and, and whatever you want to call them or, or they fancy themselves as. But to see them perform, too, is 
interesting. And, and then I found out that this was not their first movie. They made a thing called Cannibal the Musical, and that's sort of how they oh, Cannibal, got the yeah. South Park gig and and all that. And, and so they they were obviously performers. And I found out, you know, they went to school and obviously they did performance stuff and whatnot. And so not their first rodeo, I guess is what I'm saying. But in the yeah. the, the general consciousness of the culture at the time, these guys were just the voices on South Park or, or writers, if you even knew that much. Right. So um, it was it was interesting, I think, to see them play this. I, I didn't like walk away even at the time going, oh, those guys are comedic geniuses. I, I probably didn't even think anything of it. But watching it now, I'm like, these guys are serviceable at worst and could have been, yeah. minus all their other shit, could have been a, a comedy duo that made movies at best i mean that could have did more movies yeah, together it could have been yeah, dumb absolutely. and dumber who fucking knows what and right it's almost unfortunate thing they didn't get the chance for that uh frankly because i think if they could have right. really cut loose in a big hollywood movie as actors just being crazy and doing off the chain shit i think like borat or or like i said even a really mm-hmm. crazy comedy like dumb and dumber they're just really playing fucking imbeciles i think yeah either smart comedy or dumb comedy. i think they could they could really excel at both of those things if they we're still doing right that, so i mean i had i had it written beginning. down uh, they're in <laughs> they're in pretty much every scene like they for you know it's it's not like they're asking them to carry the load and then have somebody else as the, like the comic heavyweight these two are in every yeah. scene that's why it's so weird uh, it's not their movie, right? The like, movie. it's just some yeah. for-hire job. They said that they took this job because they thought they were going to be... Or South Park was going to be canceled. And so they, they figured they wouldn't have oh, to wow. worry about it. And then South Park got renewed, and so they were working on South Park and this simultaneously. And, you know, yeah. that's a, it's a happy accident, I guess. But this was, I think, their backup plan. Like, our our show isn't going to hit. We're going to get canceled. Um, or, or maybe they're just like, we got to take whatever is getting thrown at us. I guess if this is early enough in South Park's run that they didn't even know whether they were going to take off or not. Yeah. I mean, they, they literally had one season by the time this movie must've been in work in the works. Yeah, Cause it right. was, if it was summer of 98 and I think it was summer of 97 that South Park started. So they, yeah, they weren't even the first, there couldn't uh, have been too much time. They weren't even the first choices for this. Although I got to believe they got hired off their South Park six. Like that's the only reason they didn't even be in so the, too conversation so i i did uh right. about, let me just find it here real quick david zucker who then had a first look deal at universal pictures pitched the idea of a lowbrow comedy about a game he invented and played in the 1980s zucker oh by the way these guys uh from um whitefish bay shorewood oh yeah Shore shorewood and whitefish yeah, bay yeah. yeah uh yeah abrams is from whitefish yeah, bay the and the zuckers okay. are from that's shorewood. what i thought all right yeah or that's not what I obviously thought because I didn't say that, but <laughs> it's all that's what I forgot. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Zucker had previously attempted to adapt the idea into a TV series without success. A pilot episode was filmed, which starred Chris Rock, but did not materialize into a series. When Zucker got the green light from Universal, for the movie I assume we're talking now, he wanted Chris Farley to play the lead role before casting Parker and Stone due to their work with South Park becoming a huge hit. Parker and Stone agreed to do the movie under the assumption that their show would have been canceled by the time filming began. So those two things don't really jive with each other. If it became a big hit, then you don't think they would be worried about being canceled. And yeah, you know, you don't think they would have had enough time to film this movie before (laughs) South Park became a big hit. If it was already a big hit, you know what I'm saying? 
This did not yeah, happen, not and right the pair there. found themselves working on both projects simultaneously. Uh, well, I don't know. It's interesting to compare this movie to Major League because they both involve baseball and underdog teams. Major League, as you mentioned, um, was filmed here, and so this movie takes place here, and they both have a lot of the uh, TV logos like we were talking about. But baseball actually takes place in Milwaukee. Um, what's what, what it's beers garden oh yeah beers garden yeah yep. so our, it's their home stadium yep yep and they are the milwaukee beers their their basketball team now we should mm-hmm. probably mention that basketball what it is <laughs> peter you mentioned what it is yeah i don't know if i understand the rules <laughs> to basketball <laughs> the, the so they have a home plate that they shoot from a basketball they also have you can yeah, I'm okay, sorry. Let's, uh, you got to you got to go back. So they're plate. they're they go to this girl's. Well, let's just talk about the entire opening. I don't know, fucking fifteen minutes of this movie because it's it's sure, a masterpiece sure. for for a bit. Yeah, I mean, I know you said you you liked it for a while, a... Like Warrior, but I'm saying like everything too about where the that actually like basketball kind of becomes a, a thing, and and now we're dealing with their success or whatever is right a pretty fucking great. Like if that were the pilot episode of a TV series or something, right. come it, would back to- it totally worked. It starts out yeah. with First Matt and Trey. Mm-hmm. They're sitting at the the 1978 World Series, watching Reggie Jackson win that game somehow. I forget what he does. Hits a home run. He has three home yeah, runs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Hits three home runs, single game, wins it, and then Trey Trey's uh, character Coop in this film says. You know, Reamer, someday I'm going to be a great sports star. And then we cut to a voiceover <laughs> saying how, ah, this was all the dream of so many young men. And then it goes on to talk about how the sanctity of the sport was ruined due to the grotesque display of celebration or whatever and then <laughs> yeah and not only that and it proceeds to show a bunch of ridiculous fucking sideline you know touchdown dances and stuff but then it talks about the the corporization of sports arenas and how they're all just named after corporations and they were like when that scared uh-huh. people away they tried inner uh league play and when that didn't work they tried inner sports play and then they show like a guy hit a baseball and get fucking tackled by a uh yeah football player or whatever he's trying to catch a ball yeah <laughs> um yeah and shit like that so then we we get off the, oh it talks about all the teams are constantly moving cities they're like uh, the fucking new orleans jazz moved to utah where they don't allow jazz and the raiders moved from oakland yeah. and la back again and no one gave a shit <laughs> so and salt lake city went to wherever where there are no lakes you know stuff like that anyway um so yeah. that's funny and then they, they talk about how well this the sports dream didn't die it it simply laid dormant in these two young heroes or whatever. And then they cut to Matt and Trey as adults 30 years later who are going to some high school reunion or just party or whatever it is. And uh, they're seeing all their old high school friends. and They're all like, oh, I became a doctor and a lawyer, blah, 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 blah. And then they're like, what are you doing? And they got a fucking case of Coors under their arm. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so Trey's like, come on, let's just leave this party. This is lame bunch of stuck up whatever's and and then matt's like oh i know but this is britney kaiser's party and i really want to fuck her and <laughs> as if that's the reason to go there and then the dad opens the door just as he's saying that and then you get into the 
party. Yeah. They go upstairs. They get into the mom's underwear drawer. They don't know it's the mom. They think it's Brittany's bedroom. So they're, they're like stiff in the underwear. And, and <laughs> fucking Matt finds uh-huh. the dildo. And he's like, oh, it's Brittany's dildo. He's like, I'm so jealous. He starts licking it and shit. And then she walks by. <sighs> Brittany walks in and goes, guys, what are you doing in my mom's bedroom? And uh, Trey unravels the big ass underwear. And uh, fucking Reaver yeah. goes, ew. But then he like licks the thing like 10 more times. Just <laughs> keeps <laughs> like, licking, yeah. Throws it in the drawer. It's like vibrating <laughs> in the bottom of the wood drawer. It's like, get out of here. And, it's... <laughs> and so anyway, they go downstairs. And then there's this kind of like back and forth between the the preppy guys in their khakis and stuff like that. And they're just like, oh, what, what are we going to do? You, you know, these guys got everything. They got the, the khakis and the girls and the money. And they said, oh, we just need to get jobs. And they're like, oh, we're not good at anything. And it's like, we're pretty good at basketball, though. And they're just, <laughs> there's this funny scene of them just like flipping the baskets into the thing and with them like standing yeah. in the foreground <laughs> of the making shot. every Yeah, shot. You, like their arm goes up and yeah. you can tell that <laughs> once it's up there, they're not. Uh-huh. <laughs> but very funny. Right. That's exactly how it's supposed to work. And then they are like, oh, pretty good at basketball and then uh, they go yeah and then these guys come out and challenge them a basketball game and they come up with these really crazy cockamamie rules about how they're going to combine uh, basketball and baseball because they're only good at basketball if they're just standing still playing horse they're not good at you know actually playing the physical game of basketball so uh long story short they're like oh we're combining this this is how we play in the hood and trying to make these guys feel stupid and they're just making up these rules on the spot that this shot over here is first base that's a single and you know from behind the meatball dish that's a home run and and whatever else and uh then they win this game through all this convoluted nonsense and it takes off and they go back to their neighborhood and they play with some of their friends and it turns into this thing and, and we'll get into what happens, but I just wanted to get to this point to say that first fucking 20 minutes of a movie is phenomenal comedy. Yeah. Uh, it really well, <laughs> like commentary, satire, education, like, uh yes and all that shit came true in the 2000s like you know, fucking staples center you know whatever like uh-huh. yeah that's that's funny shit i agree i just wish it it carried on after that point but it did not oh <laughs> okay let <laughs> let me hear how <laughs> okay uh i just felt like the especially the middle the middle part of the movie was probably went on 20 minutes too long this movie it's pretty short is an right? hour and 40 and oh is it, it yeah it's a yeah it's an hour 40 eh, yeah, that's not and super i'd long. say at about an hour no it's not terrible at all <laughs> uh which <laughs> but you're like i'm gonna bring it up anyway <laughs> fuck you <laughs> but i'm gonna fuck it uh but this movie felt like it was two hours and 15 minutes okay wouldn't what you else? agree though what else you got joke that uh the, the scene with with the kid in the hospital, there's a uh, oh, there's sort of a make a wish. Yeah. Now now hold on, uh, let me let me thing. just say something before you say this because you're jumping way ahead. Okay. But, but I did want to get to yeah, this. Yeah, I am. But I was gonna I was gonna I thought we'd go on a lot more about some other stuff before I had to get to the point where I what happens after that? Yeah. Where I had to explain what my fucking favorite scene of this movie is. That scene where they go to find Joey uh-huh. after surgery is pure fucking yeah. farcical nightmare insanity. Great. It's like Marx Brothers on crack. So good. It's the only scene in the movie that's like that. It's the only scene that that's like crazy 
and insane and clearly intended to be the only one like that that scene is supposed to stand out i think it's fucking amazing that they just decided to to just put the scene in the movie or, or not even put it in there but like you know zucker's like let's just let's just do this scene like this for no fucking that i i mean i'm in awe of that scene even when i watched it earlier when i first saw this i was like there's something different about it. Or I can see they're doing something different, but I never really thought about how nuts it is mm-hmm. that they just did that. I was kind of like, yeah, it's kind of a, a annoying, just dumb scene where they're fucking up this kid. But now I watch yeah. it. I'm just like, wow. Like that, that scene is in this movie. <laughs> it is. It's, it's, and you remember when I told you at the beginning that there were scenes that I wanted to fast forward because they were going on too long. Yeah. I mean, it, that, it, was... that can't be one of them though. <laughs> That was it. <laughs> now, you're when you summarized it though, it it did make me appreciate it a little more. You have a good uh, you have a good selling point to it. Maybe I need to rewatch it. Maybe it was just like seemed like overkill. Yeah, no, I I would moment, normally agree with you. I, I never had a problem with it per se, but I was always like, okay, it's just a yeah. it's a silly dumb scene in the middle of it. But this time, for whatever reason, I was just like it's it's weird this is in here and and the the movie again like we were talking before we started it kind of toggles between that kind of shit because there's this whole thing about how they're like feeding this kid shots and all this other i mean the the real world consequences would be insane and it's so it's clear i don't i don't just mean like they'd get arrested or you can do that i mean like right they, they would kill the kid or whatever so it's like yeah there's some of this cartoon shit but then it just like snaps back into more of a movie where it's just like kind of major league, like where the guys are just ripping on each other in the middle of a sport or, you know, some of these characters are really yeah. stupid and over the top. And I mean, this obviously isn't major leagues about like ostensibly real people. I mean, it might too be exaggerated and over the top and over romanticized and sure. whatever, but it's like they're, they're human beings that function in a real world. This is not, yeah. not that, but it, this is goofball. Yeah. But even, right. but the, only when it wants to be, which is what I think is great. It's like here, here we're tracking along in a, a, a supposed plot of some sort of reality where physics matter and shit counts, and then they just go to some crap like we fed this kid eighteen shots and uh, he had to have you know open heart surgery and uh, all that kind of uh-huh. crazy shit. <laughs> he was supposed to have was was it liver? Liver. I'm sorry, I was, just, liver I was just on a roll, yeah. but yes, liver is what they were doing. And then you have David Zucker's yeah. mom, who was known to appear in their movie, saying he's only 11 years old and he smells worse than Robert Downey yeah. Jr. Or, <laughs> or Christian Slater, I think it was. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Christian Slater. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, bagged, I bagged her groceries in the summer of 1995 when I worked at Cole's Food Store. Oh, good for you. Yeah. That was my... Um, it, that was my experience. It was Robert Downey Jr. by the way in that. Oh, was it? That oh, okay. Diss, that unnecessary diss. They didn't know back then he was going to be fucking Iron Man. <laughs> no, I don't think Iron Man knew he was going to be Iron Man. That whole scene where they spend the day with Joey—that's the, the Make a Wish kid you referred to—is was pretty fucking yeah funny. That like montage to Why Can't We I Be Friends? I enjoyed that. The Smash Mouth yeah. version of Why Can't We Be Friends? Right. You know, you, you can you, the the way they describe it at the initial yard game is very succinct. It's uh, you got to make the shot we take. It's horse, but we can do whatever like crazy fucked up shit we want to try to psych you out so you can't make the yeah. shot. Which they start off with going Steve Perry, <laughs> Steve Perry, <laughs> innocent <laughs> thing. Yeah. Yes. 
The uh, the psych out. Some of the psych outs are pretty funny, and some of them were insanely <laughs> right. <laughs> when he was shooting the milk on the guy for like five minutes, right, and, I was cracking. And up. then Squeak was, is sitting yeah, there going was, like this. That's what makes that scene even better. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he is. Like Reamer really <laughs> nailing down that psych out, and he's just he's, he's, Squeak's. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh uh, yeah. See. So the the rules of basketball, though I I as as how you get people on base, that was yeah. I think you make the shot, and it's either a, a single, a double, or a okay. you know home run or whatever. But um, okay, the psychouts are you know, like you said, pretty funny. But it it seems like they kind of ebb and flow in terms of what's actually going on with them. Like th- nobody ever seems to try to psych out Coop and Reamer. Yeah. That. Yeah, Coop and Remar, yeah. Like all the James all the big Remar. important scenes, they're just being left alone and taking their shot and stuff like that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but meanwhile, everybody else that too. goes up there like fucking cutting their fingers off and yeah. chewing on uh tin foil and uh, uh-huh. sucking Robert uh not Robert Marlon Brando's uh, liposuction. Oh, it's those body yeah. fat. Oh, god. Oh, it's kind of salty. <laughs> And then he keeps drinking yeah. it after. Like, uh, like, well, you know, it's yeah. just like tapioca or whatever. <laughs> yeah. That's all great stuff. And like you said, yeah, it's it's really stupid, I guess, if you think about it. But and I like how <laughs> I like how every psycho, if the guy gets psyched out, he like falls over or like <laughs> explodes. Yes. Like, everybody's like, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> can't can't maintain balance. Apparently, they've been yeah. psyched out so hard. <laughs> the guy sleeping with his. Was he has half the shirt of her bent over, and then the other half of the shirt he reveals is him. Yeah, with her from behind. Yeah, that is another psycho. <laughs> and then of course, then they just fall yeah. over. Yeah, there you go. I heard your your mom's going out with squeak. <laughs> That's always a big psycho. Just yeah, and then they rip on squeak. Really yeah, we got to yeah. talk about squeak, little bitch Scolari. Uh, the way they treat him mm-hmm. is pretty funny. He shows up at the beginning to shut their. Uh, gas off, and um, and the guys are like, Cut it out, squeak. It's like, My name's not squeak, and he's like, Yeah, but you're a little bitch. It's like, I'm not a little bitch. He's like, Yeah, but you're a piece of shit. I am not a piece of shit. God damn, if you guys rip on me 10 or 20 more times, and I'm out of here. Yes, I love that part. (laughs) And then they take him into the house and let him be part of the baseball team, and they put him in this like cardboard dog bed that made in the corner. (laughs) <laughs> this is where you're gonna sleep yeah oh man he's like how am i supposed to get yeah, a chick I, in this he's like oh you, you couldn't get a chick if you had a hundred dollar bill hanging out of your zipper it's <laughs> like could do it could not it's like dude you're a little bitch i am not a little bitch oh it's just so good yeah i i enjoyed this movie to a point like i, I like i said i laughed at various times from beginning to end, there's just the, the, the parts that got just a little tiresome, got too tiresome to me. <laughs> the, uh, I mean, even when they make out, that's like, that's funny to me. It's, it's so oh, weird. And don't, oh, don't, don't get ahead. We're yeah. yeah. Okay. Come on. We're, 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 we're look, 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 we're still in the middle of like trying to describe this fucking movie or, or at least what's going on. Yeah. So, so anyway, they invent this game called basketball. That's the, the, the whole combo basketball, baseball, backyard, yeah. driveway, 
becomes a neighborhood success. Yeah, it becomes like a neighborhood. News is starting to cover it. becomes it. a neighborhood sensation. They're, they get to a point where they're yep. having playoffs and things like that. And then you have Denslow, played by Ernest Borgnine, yes. who is fed up with all the things that the voiceover at the beginning was sort of talking about with uh, free agency and players moving teams and all that kind of stuff. And he wanted yep. to take baseball to the masses with the idea that they would it would be free from all of the stuff that's ruined professional sports and matt and trey agree and then we get to a point where <laughs> they start showing you all the other baseball teams that have popped up in other cities and <laughs> everything is uh very predictably yeah you know so matt and trey form the milwaukee beers because milwaukee and beer Texas felons, the uh, San Francisco fairies. There's yeah. the. Uh, I'm good. I, I I'm trying to remember. I knew what it was. I just wanted you to be the one to say that oh. one, like it was no big deal. <laughs> There's the Roswell aliens, the Jersey informants. <laughs> yeah, and then the Roswell was the anal probe yeah, night. Yeah, anal the, probe the night at the stadium. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what an unfortunate <laughs> thing to happen on dozen egg night, and they're like beaming uh, coop with the eggs for losing, and then. Uh, Later on, he's like walking out of the uh, stadium and they're just sucking up all these chickens into like a big shredder and stuff in the background. And Robert Vaughn shows up and he's like the troublemaker against Denzel, who wants to take basketball public or whatever you want to call it. It's where players can yeah. profit and, and all that stuff. And uh, So, yeah, Vaughn. After Borgnine dies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Borgnine dies. Vaughn comes into the picture. He's he's now the new uh, well Jenny McCarthy. We should mention is uh, is Borgnine's wife, yep. and then she quickly becomes Robert Vaughn's wife. She's just kind of the, uh, not wife. The aforementioned Margaret Witten, or no girlfriend. Right, you're right. Yeah. Well, there that I don't know where he keeps their thing was kind of funny where he keeps making her do all these like sexual sounding innuendos but it's just the literal thing uh-huh. he's like what do you see you come over and yeah. we lay some carpet and she's like "Ooh!" And then they cut yeah. to the next scene she's literally like <laughs> putting carpet down in his office yeah. and then <laughs> she, I, I forget one of the other ones he's like oh my my knob polishing my, the chrome my pol- of, yeah, polish yeah. the chrome or my <laughs> and yeah she comes back later just sucking on a trailer hitch and then she's like, my of my lot. He goes, my lobby could use a little buffing, and she's just got the floor buffers, you know. <laughs> I think those are all of them. Yeah, yeah, but it doesn't. See, that's so we're, Vaughn, we're short selling this because it doesn't happen like that in the movie. It's not. It's just kind of it pops up randomly in great. little sequences. <laughs> kind of like, oh, here we go again. It's a pretty, yeah, it's a funny way to do it. <clears throat> So Vaughn wants to make some money off basketball, break down the little yep. rules. Denslow dies. He leaves the team to Coop and Reamer and uh, says, but they have, they have to win a championship that year. Otherwise, it goes to his ex or his uh, widow, Jenny McCarthy. Yeah. In, in yes, what would be a major league sort of situation. And then Vaughn says, oh, I'm going to seize in on Jenny McCarthy because when she gets that team, then I can do what the fuck I want with it and get her signed yep. over rights and and uh, lesson restrictions and all that kind of stuff. I can tell you this, yeah. Ron. 
just in the in just in the time we've been discussing this movie, uh-huh. I'm it's growing in I'm stature. I'm liking it more yeah. than yeah, it's growing in stature. Uh, so we got some cameos like Kato Kalen and Bob Costas. It's not exactly a Bob Euchre <laughs> situation, but you know he's in it. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, the Milwaukee Beers have <laughs> their foam heads as opposed to like cheese heads, right? Cheese heads, yeah. Even though that's football, not either basketball or baseball, but <laughs> Brewer fans were among the first to wear cheese heads, though. Fun fact. Interesting. Yeah. How did that become co-opted then by the fucking Packers? Those. Uh, I'm guessing because they used to play in Milwaukee. Yeah, that's what I thought. (laughs) And I was going to make that point, too, right? It was they were allowed like three games a year there. Why did they do that? What was the deal? Just just to spread it around? Um, Yeah, just to make because statewide was, you know, there's not as many people in Green Bay. So bring the Packers down to Milwaukee a couple times a year as an attraction where there's more people. And yeah, a bigger stadium because it was county stadium was bigger than Lambo at that point. It's the Lambo so they've made how, bigger these days. They made, yeah, it's raised by like I think I think it fits almost eighty thousand people now. When do they do that? Whereas back then it they expanded once in two thousand three, and then again in the early mid tens they had another expansion where it that's where it got up to the eighty thousand people. They added like a whole upper thing to it so they like upper decks to it so that's why i don't play here anymore or is it just because we demolished county State? exactly well because that no, came they, first they were they they finished in milwaukee before county stadium was torn down oh, they really? the if you if you ever watch any of those old they're on youtube you know you can even see clips or whatever like just the stadium itself was not very conducive uh to to football like the end zone would be like yeah five yards away the back of the end zone was like five to ten yards away from the the railing along the third baseline of county stadium so you'd have people like running and catching something and then like crashing into the railing yeah. like there. <laughs> wait yeah. is that even so that's a little too was close. it even a hundred yards oh yeah it was a hundred yards they just it's just barely beond that yeah. was on on one side was because it's more of like a bowl, right? right? There and a railing than a yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So essentially, they're playing in the outfield from like right field to the third base side, right to left side, and that's a hundred yards or left to right. Then, ah, hmm. uh, yeah, even more so because really? you have hundred yards and ten yards in each end zone. Right, right. I'm just saying, like I, it, whatever is behind. The, yeah, I wouldn't think by sitting. I remember sitting in that stadium. Didn't look like. Football stadium, like what is Miller Park right. now? No. Is that is that that big? Miller Park fits like thirteen thousand fewer people or eleven thousand fewer people. I know, but that that doesn't mean the field's smaller did. though, does it? No, so that's no, what I'm the saying. Field's... The field's the same. Yeah, yeah that, when I look out at that right, thing, that does not look. Uh, yeah, right, but that does not look anywhere near as lengthy as a football field. As counties, yeah, well, as, as football anything. stadiums do, right? Exactly. Well, I mean, right. the hundred yard, the the goalposts or whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, right. I just don't think of the, I don't think of a baseball stadium as being long. I think of it as being like, like, a, like a round, but more round. Yeah, exactly. but there's a point there where it's just as long. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Weird. Hey? Yeah. 
And they say so you'd have like you'd have the infields of the base, you know, like there's the dirt part on baseball stadium. Yeah, they would the football players would be like playing through those parts of the field. Like people were getting tackled in like hard dirt <laughs> on baseball stadiums. It's crazy, man. <laughs> it is. Essentially, the Packers left Milwaukee for money because they're making more money staying in Green Bay. So right. That's essentially. But the whole thing behind it was to, I mean, I'm sure there was a profit to them or a better business deal or whatever, but the, the reason the original, was just to yeah. spread it around and like, Hey, uh, yeah, it's Milwaukee a couple times a year. Right. Just for, for money. What did other teams from other people. States think when they had to come play in a fucking baseball field? Where, where, they didn't like yeah, it. Th- people didn't like County stadium at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just wondering right. what, what do you, so yeah, yeah, people didn't like it. They thought it was dumb that they were playing in a baseball stadium. I can see that. I feel like that is kind of weird. I that's kind of the, yeah, the thesis maybe, of this yeah. conversation we're having is I think it's right crazy. And the locker rooms, you know, there's more people on a football team than a baseball team, so you'd have these locker rooms where oh, geez. <laughs> that couldn't be accommodating to. Okay, so uh, basketball, um, <laughs> basketball foamheads. I, I like uh, the. It's naked gun in in some of these gags where so you got like Reamer giving his teammate some last minute words of encouragement in the dugout, you know, quote unquote, and it's on the yeah. little monitor in in front of you see Reamer just like smashing him up against the wall and yelling at him and stuff like that, and that's just some shit in the background that's there to be funny. <laughs> right, and that's the David Zucker aspect to it. Yeah. Yeah, there's stuff like where the guys, you know, they're all in the stands wearing the yellow ribbons for Joey, and there's this one guy who's shirtless, but he still has the the ribbon pinned to his chest. That's a <laughs> naked gun game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Stuff going on in the background, like Squeak is getting thrown around and, and tortured in the background with Coop and Reaver yeah. talking shop, and then he's um, Braveheart, like freedom. <laughs> they're fucking with it. <laughs> Or the or the chicken, like you said before, the chicken getting scooped up in the background. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, all that kind of stuff. It's very yeah, very David Zucker. Dialogue, jokes, some smart baseball satire. Don't you think? I don't know. There's, um, see, well, as besides the first, besides the opening scene, and then some, some dialogue regarding. Uh, you know the the sports scene in general. There wasn't there wasn't much that I can think of in terms of like memorable lines or anything. You're right. It's not. That was a trick question. I just wanted to see if you're paying attention. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't think it's a. I, well, I don't know. I mean, but I. It wasn't. I'm sorry if I led with. I thought it was. I. I don't think it's a particularly smart baseball satire. That's just one thing people might be wondering about this movie. I think it's just a you know dumb that and again difference between yeah. major league. It's a just here this this movie is gonna do whatever it wants to do and just be weird yeah get in and get out and you gotta respect that shit and i can appreciate that yeah sound like you can (laughs) ronald i can appreciate this movie you've already raised me a half a star i was coming into this firm at two stars and now, now i'm at two and a half that scene where one of them pulls a glob of chew out of their mouth, slams it into the other guy's hand, and then he puts it into his mouth is the funniest fucking thing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I shouldn't say that one guy. It's where uh, Trey takes it out of his mouth, throws it in the yeah. uh, 
Stone's hands. Yeah. Yeah, well, you tried to get jump to the kiss scene, but uh, we'll get to that. But yeah, these guys are not shy about... <laughs> um, Yasmin Bleeth is in this movie. That's She's cute. Yeah. Remember? And yeah. She, yeah. I, I uh, was not a not a Baywatch guy, even though that would sure. would have easily been right up my Yeah, me neither. Bleeth was actually kinda good in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, well it's a, a fun time where you got her and Jenny McCarthy and you can probably think of a you know half dozen other people kind of in that vein, Anna Nicole Smith, you know, whoever who would Carmen, Carmen Electra. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They would sort of pop up the stuff. You had a lot of different kind of Baywatch, post Baywatch stars, Erica Lania. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of fun to see that. Also, the soundtrack to this movie is clearly very late '90s with its kind of ska. Uh, it's got real big fish. With its real big fish, Snap yeah. Is the, Smash the remake yeah. of the Why Can't We Be Friends? Uh, I always love that uh, beer song by uh, Real Big Fish. Right. I think I'll have myself a beer. Uh... <laughs> if I pass out on the floor and now, baby, you won't challenge me again. I don't know. I think I'll have myself a beer. Yeah. Uh, okay, dude. I, I mean, it's like it. in the movie, but other than that, it was like a big hit. <laughs> <laughs> there is a there is a song that I wanted to bring up from this movie, uh, which which has always cracked me up. I remember seeing it the first time. It's one of the things I remembered seeing from the first time was or enjoying was the. Uh, song when he's driving in the car uh, and it's essentially about his yeah. life it's a, and it's something and the song's name is warts on my dick <laughs> <laughs> if you pause it during that yeah. scene the name of the song is warts on my dick <laughs> and that's literally the last line of this <laughs> i know dude it's so and, good. yeah and 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 scenes like that were really good because that's obviously funny uh, as hell i can't i Oh yeah, but I'm saying that's uh, Trey, yeah. Trey or Matt. Right. I can't it's tell Trey. the two apart. Trey, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah, it's Trey. He's Parker the one who sings that. Like this. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it's the Team America yeah. right. voice. Yeah, <laughs> or the America fuck yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. That that scene is very good. Yeah, and like you said, the way it ends on that, and <laughs> that's the name and all. Uh-huh. Very funny. <laughs> Uh, there's that mm-hmm. that roadkill caught on tape thing that they tape over. Oh, <laughs> the winning home run. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. And I like the uh, the little splice in at the end, the callback with uh, when Dale Earnhardt's driving. Yeah. In the cab, <laughs> they hit the raccoon. <laughs> yeah. See, that's the kind of joke that it seems a little more stupid, where you have to like Dale Earnhardt pull up and he's like, "Where are you guys going to? Or why don't you get in? Or whatever." You know that that shit. I don't don't care about. There's a handful of jokes like that in this movie. Where I'm just kind of like, okay, that's no. sure. Oh, when he goes into Vaughn's office and breaks the Ty Cobb bat, you know that scene is so obnoxious because you just it's so predictable and it's not right. that, you know that's exactly what he's gonna do and. And, and maybe uh, Stone is doing a great job because he's very annoying and not picking up on what uh, Vaughn is trying to yeah. lay down about taking a bribe or moving. He did have together. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar yeah. in a in a glass. Well, that's funny. <laughs> and Siegfried and Roy, yeah, that that was funny. But <laughs> I was just trying to find examples to agree with you on of places where the movie kind of overplays its hand or you know is not uh, sure. You know, it, it kind of you're like okay, let's move. Let's Doesn't move this along. Yeah, we, we know what yeah. this is. We've seen this, or this isn't funny. But right, it's just more the sort of random 
gags that just pop out of nowhere that I think make the movie good. And there's they're they're coming at you. I don't know. If, it's not like you can say, regardless of how if you think the runtime is too long, that it's not stacked with shit every right minute or two. Oh, it's it's rapid fire, man. That's for sure. <laughs> the okay, cool. The <laughs> why wouldn't you? You might as well spend like, yeah, it's neat. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> that's, that's one thing. Ron. One thing is for sure. One thing I know. Okay, listen. One thing is for sure. <laughs> Here's another great fucking scene, which you are completely forgetting about, and I don't, I don't know how you wouldn't think this is funny. The announcers are trying to explain the decisions and what happens when who wins what in like central division west northern and they do a round robin two-man sack race till a champion is crowned it's it's a after the grueling regular season now we're in month nine of the playoffs yes that's a yeah that line is great oh my god i'm like month nine month nine of the playoffs (laughs) <laughs> which is sometimes what to us non-sports fans it all feels like we're just like this this thing's still it going on it's does. like the next year yeah. like no that was that was three years ago like, oh, okay <laughs> how about that scene with their dicks in the locker room <laughs> um oh my, oh my god do you not know I this that? it's a blink and you missed it thing if you like looked away or did some other shit you probably missed it Oh, okay. There's, I might have blinked and looked away. There's a scene where Robert Vaughn comes in and Trey and Matt are in the locker room changing after a game and they're fighting and they stand there and argue with him about, uh, I think this is it's just something about uh, taking over the team or whatever. Anyway, they stand there arguing with him. So he's arguing with them because he wants them to sign over uh, the the rights to the whole Lutton, whatever their, their changes that they wanted made to baseball are. And sure. they they show him hand the the folder to them and then it, the camera pans down to just like above their knee and probably to about their ankle and you know just see their legs but there's like a you know a big dick like a th- i don't i can't believe you didn't see this because me trying to explain it is fucking awful but it's it's like a literal third leg like just a little thinner than their normal legs and all veiny and shit it's just you see the you know, the, just the middle of it, so it's pretty much just the, the shaft you know, area. But <laughs> hope I missed that. What the fuck? Man? And then she, he leaves. I know. I'm sorry. He leaves, and then Yasmin Bleeth walks in, and she's all like, "Yeah, you know, how can you do this to the kids? This is maybe where she hears about the sweatshop or so. oh, that's what it. They show the dicks like two or three times, so it's like a, a quick cut okay. each time. And so there's one scene where Robert Vaughn does something, and that's where they, I think he just shows them the info, and they kind of pan down between their legs, and you see their dicks. Then there later later yeah. on, Yasmin Bleeth comes in, and she uh, throws something. Oh, it's the pictures. That's the thing that Robert Vaughn was showing him. She like throws the pictures, and uh, it, it they go like, and because the thing when she threw it down hit their dicks, and she walked in. And she's like, um, "We could stand here arguing with whoever has the big." biggest penis uh ego and you know stuff like that she's she's on a whole i can only think about dicks and she even goes at one point throbbing cock oh i don't don't know and so so where were you for this entire fucking scene so (laughs) i was right here i was about four feet away so you remember him tv is right here remember him like i i remember her saying that line you don't remember her like a shot from down between their legs 
we're like behind them. No, looking at no. Hmm. This is why you. This is why you hired me as your co-host of the Big Four, so that I could miss out on scenes like this. I'm at a point right now where I'm really surprised every time I reach over and my beer still feels about as full as it was like the time before. I keep expecting it to be empty, and I'm just like, every time it just is. <laughs> feels the same as it was like the last God's time. refilling yeah, it. Yeah, same as it ever was. <laughs> same as it ever was. <laughs> okay. Uh, and the days okay. go by. Then they argue, and then Reamer's like, fine, I'll find a new best friend. And then he pulls Squeak out of a drawer and goes, wake up, bitch, you're my new best friend. And Squeak's in his PJs <laughs> with yeah. a teddy bear. And then he's like, are we going to the yeah. zoo? <laughs> I've always, I've, <laughs> I, I love and I quote that one often. Me and my buddy. Um, Is that all so, in the same uh, scene? Yeah. I remember him pulling him out of the drawer. <laughs> Dude. All right, fine. Four stars. My next thing was going to be the song in the car that just narrates the entire situation. All right. Yeah. Peter just... Yeah. No, it's okay. You can, I feel free to jump around. I'm just telling you where all I'm right. at in the, the note and what I'm, why I'm scrolling past. My bad. Yeah, you got Robert Stack, Unsolved Mysteries... And they do that thing. Where's Coop? And then he's like, according to the nosy bitch who lives next door. <laughs> Stack is great in this. Yeah. He's like, Janice Jenkins, who did not want to be identified. <laughs> Reamer's like, he could be hanging by his neck in his fucking closet for all I care. And Stack's like, theory number one. Oh, he's man, hanging by his neck in his fucking closet. We're in a fucking closet. <laughs> Or <laughs> the, uh, the part like, where he starts Leaf is like try wherever children are abused and exploited. Stacks like theory number two. He went to Disneyland, <laughs> and then he stops for a second. Yeah, <laughs> yep, yeah. He kind of stops for a second and thinks about it. Like, <laughs> hmm. <laughs> so great. Oh. And then uh, we yeah. get to a scene where Reamer is, you know, letting the fame and whatever go to his head, and he's king shit, and he's literally wearing a fur throw and a crown and big chains and stuff. And yeah. he and Coop fight it out and make up by <laughs> French kissing, which I remember being one hell of a scene at the time. Uh, another, it's just one of these things where they take a moment and really just crank it to ten. Uh huh. <laughs> I don't know. You, you know they're gonna I make can't... up, but of course this movie has to go just fucking harder than anything else. Um, yeah, uh-huh. it's, it's really crazy. That these guys are so close. They can do that. And another great scene. You're not likely to see in, in most movies. No, nope, props, not at all. Props to them. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I feel like this yeah, might be the most important movie ever made is. <laughs> after <a> talk- <laughs> Uh, I in recapping it's yeah I also want to just say Lots shout out to here. the redheaded uh, Dallas cheerleader <laughs> from the that Texas was, that was my last note well, no yeah, no she's the, she was the, the Dallas uh, cheerleader oh all right it's in one of the early scenes and I think she's back in when they play them again at some point okay great great see I missed body. a whole lot yeah, you don't, you're not really paying attention to detail, man. It's all right. I'll... I know. <sighs> Nobody else is willing to ruin their comedy. Tuesday for this shit, so you'll you'll be fine. Okay, 
Um, yeah, what else we got to say about basketball? I am going to go, uh, I mean, God, I really love this movie. I had a great time with it and I have a great time talking about it too. That was as fun as watching as it was talking about it. Um, I'm sorry you don't feel the same, but (laughs) my, I feel converted. My normal ranking would be three stars uh, from, that's what I've always given this movie. Somebody's like, is baseball a good movie? Yeah, fuck yeah, man. Watch that movie. But you know, I haven't never rated it among the best watching it now i realize it is a true masterpiece and perhaps the best supplanting major league no i'm just kidding i'm gonna stay stick at three stars <laughs> okay but i do i do give this movie props gonna... for being a little just more insane and absurd than a lot of movies you're gonna get these days and uh it, it holds up oh absolutely so yes three and a half for my heart baby yeah i've been a I'm gonna give it two and a half. Yeah, you're gonna. Uh, but I suck my dick. <laughs> suck my dick. Suck my dick. <laughs> Ron, would you like to know how this movie opened? Uh, I do know. We already talked about it, like eleventh. <clears throat> but oh no, I mean uh, financially. Sorry. Oh, uh, three something. Oh, you already knew it. Okay. Well, I looked at that. I mean, it's. I don't know the top ten if that's what you were trying to insinuate. I was gonna, you yeah, I was gonna get there. Asshole. Wait, what? You were gonna get there to insinuating <laughs> that I looked at the top ten? No, I said Do you want no, me I to... meant like I was gonna. Okay, who's doing it? Is the is the question <laughs> on the table, Peter? Uh, why don't you quiz me? All right. Did you look at it already? No. All right. I was trying to look up basketball's opening weekend. I don't even remember when. I know it was 98. What was it, July 3rd? 31st. Yeah, I don't know. I don't need to look it up. Okay. Your number one film? We know it was 11th. What? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, we no, do. I was going to say, I know basketball is 11th. You're right. All right. Number one film. <laughs> it's in its second week of release. Big movie of the summer. In its second week, it's making $23 million. It's up to $73 million. Genre? Um, war. Oh, Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan. I've done a lot of Spielberg movies on the podcast. No. We did uh, E.T. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> He's got a lot of movies. Yeah. Like, okay. That was it. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're going to we're gonna follow along in his career at at the same pace. <laughs> See how that goes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> number two is new this weekend. Um, I guess there was a remake of this. I... Hmm. I mean, I guess this is a remake. Uh, no, sorry. Take all this back. I know this is a remake. I guess they did a remake is what I meant to say. Or, like, like I know the original movie exists. I wasn't aware there was a remake. <laughs> Got it? This one's a remake. Yeah, this, is, this is a yeah. remake that I'm surprised okay. exists. <laughs> but now that I think about Dang. it, I think it's, I think it's the... Um, not, I'm not surprised anymore. Now that I'm thinking about it, I remember this. This is the breakout vehicle for a will-be um, teen sensation up till kind of 2002 or three, where she, like many of her ilk, flame out. And she. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the Paris Hilton type, but not. Oh, so. Oh, wait. 2002. I don't know. No, not Crossroad. That was like four years later. 
So this is 1998. It's uh, this is 1998. It's a, it's a remake. It's a remake. It's a, um, yeah. It's kind of the big movie of that turns this person into a thing. And like I said, she kind of flames out. You're in the right ballpark with your Britney Spears and stuff like that. Another famous lead actress. Does she have um, legal troubles? Uh, Sure. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I, I can't remember all the, see my guess is okay. My guess is, is low hands. So would that be, Freaky Friday or whatever, where she's. You're in the ballpark, but that's wrong. No, Freaky Fridays. That's later. Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a oh, Parent Trap. Parent Trap. No, I have to ask you: Is Lindsay Lohan in the movie? Because I, for a minute there, I was starting to doubt myself because I didn't look it up. <laughs> is yes, that the one I'm thinking? Of? Okay. I just she, I pulled that out. I was yes. like, oh, I hope that's what it is. Yeah. Because <laughs> if it turned out to be something else, then you'd have been like, "What the fuck are you talking about? An nope, early 2000s starlet?" And, okay, got it. <laughs> nope, that's Lohan. Lohan. All right, number three is your breakout comedy of the summer, becoming more popular and successful than. You know how every year there's kind of that one uh, comedy, sort of like a hangover or something yeah. like that that just pops. Do you know what it is? Yeah, and I'm just preventing you is. from saying yeah. it. I'm going to see how long I can just keep holding out at this pace before you can't. <laughs> okay. just I'm just kidding. What is it? There's something about Mary. There is something about Mary. Something about her brought her up. Uh, Featuring Matt Dillon. Yeah. Our buddy. <laughs> Our buddy. <laughs> Friend of show. Week number three, it uh, climbed to. What was it at at this point, money wise? It's at sixty million already, and it made ten million this weekend. So. Cool. Wow. Yeah. It's third week. All right. Next, we have a new film this week. This is a movie that was rumored to be supposed to uh, star Sylvester Stallone in one of the roles. It's a dual star action thriller probably wanted to be taken more seriously at the time, but now plays well as just kind of a good example of nineties action. Um, you got two male stars who are both, I would say not traditional action heroes, though they've both been in action films. They're a little older. One's black, one's white. Uh, uh, lethal weapon four. No, no, not lethal no. weapon four. Oh shit. <laughs> not action stars but one's black one's white um rush hour nope uh hold on mm. you're you're thinking to action comedy this is more of a these guys aren't partners um they're just the, okay. the movie is an action thriller so it forces them both to, they're both cops oh like i said they're a little older i'm not sure if they're, they're not partners ages. So. nope they're, I guess, colleagues. The, this movie, like I said, not the negotiator. It's the negotiator. There you go. Is it okay? I never saw it. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. It's who's the one negotiate? Are they negotiating with Spacey or is Spacey negotiating with Jackson? Jackson takes hostages for some reason. I forget exactly what you know. He's one of these wrongfully accused guys. He's trying to clear his name or something like that. Um. Mm gets caught up in some shit. So he takes these hostages and then... So he's a cop in it. Jackson is a hostage negotiator, I believe. And then mm. Spacey shows up on 
Jackson's hostage scene as the negotiator. And he Jackson right. fills Spacey in that this is a police corruption scandal or something. I forget all the details. The DA maybe is involved, you know, whatever. And then uh, Spacey okay. comes to believe him. And the, the famous shot in the trailer was Spacey turning to the camera and folding his arms and going, now you're going to have to deal with both of us or something like that. Uh, you know, what I think the bad guy is in here. I think it's the dude from 16 blocks, David Morris. Oh yeah. We love, um, or I, I love and everything he's in. I thought we said we loved yeah. him on the, uh, I like Morris. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah. So that's a good movie. The number five movie is also new. This is another, it's a 20th century Fox movie, but it's a Disney movie. Another remake. I, I only mentioned Disney because Parent Trap was, as I'm saying, this is another oh, one okay. new this week. That's yeah. actually a remake of a Disney tale. However, it's not a Disney original, hence why 20th Century Fox is able to remake it. Uh, this is live action. It stars, I'm not going to tell you stars, that probably give it away. Um, a remake of a Disney movie, but it's 20th yeah, Century Yeah, a live Fox. action remake of a popular Disney movie, but it's not it's not like Disney IP. It's, you know, a, a fairy tale right. outside of their bird oh. thing, So, Can you give me one star in it? Drew Barrymore. I mean, that's the main star. That's the only thing I know without looking it up again oh. off the top of my head. Mm, yeah. It's not, I think it had like uh, a popular soundtrack. There's something about this movie that I think made it kind of a hit. Yeah, I, I can't uh, think of the name of it, though. Maybe what not. Is it? Maybe I'm thinking of something else she was in. Uh, Ever After, A Cinderella Story. Ever, yeah, there we go. Remember that? Vaguely? I do, barely, yeah. Very morally. Number six is not necessarily a Disney character, but one of those, uh, or, or even a, 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 a I, uh, what's public domain uh, fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Um, but something along those lines, this is... I think there was another one after this. So it's kind of like a James Bond thing where a different actor is taking the role many times. Um, I think this same actor okay. does this maybe one more time. You know, sequel to this. Um, like I said, it's a franchise that's been around a long time. Kind of like uh, Bond or... Yeah. Um, what I had another example and now I lost it. Um, is he an agent kind of guy though mm, no I wouldn't say that hmm. alright uh, give me one person in the movie sorry I think Anthony Hopkins it's is cheating, the bad guy I... in this oh oh is it uh, Zorro what's the actual title oh uh, Zorro <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> oh, Mask of Zorro. Mask of Zorro, very good. Am I right? There that we go. Hopkins is that Selma Hayek in that or? Yeah, he, yeah. Uh, Catherine Zeta Jones. Oh, Catherine Zeta Jones. That's right. I couldn't remember. Uh, I yeah. was thinking of uh, Desperado. I was like, do those two team up again? For some reason, I pictured them in that. Oh yeah, Banderas. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that's yep. right. Banderas. Number seven is in its fourth week of release, down from number. Th- three last week with all these new movies coming out um i would say it's the big hit of the summer so far about to be surpassed by saving private ryan and when armageddon comes out and all that but i i think this movie is still 
summer top 10 big movie um you and i saw it lethal weapon four lethal weapon four <laughs> yep yes. trying to think of All like right. anything i could tell you about it other than anything that about was, the movie yeah, the cast <laughs> well not even that cast yeah, but as soon as i'm like a right. buddy cop movie yeah <laughs> number eight. Oh, i'm sorry i guess this came out before lethal weapon i just mentioned it in my little tirade there number eight is a big movie uh becomes i think the highest grossing movie of the year not saving private ryan though uh, no that was nope, one th- that uh, well there was a little bit of controversy about this one because i think uh, i forgot how it worked exactly but saving private ryan went into the the following year or you know however you want to look at it so it was like in terms of which one closed okay. the year but anyway one and two we already so guessed is this yeah, armageddon so... <laughs> okay all right <laughs> Number nine is a, geez, I don't know if it's Disney, but it's another children's character live action remake. This one stars an actor who is in the midst of a bit of a resurgence after a string of flops up until 96. He had another big hit on his hands and then he moves into this kind of family comedy vein and that's where we're seeing this other more family oriented comedy from this. Yeah. Oh, Eddie Murphy, then Nutty professor. That would be 96. Uh, no, no, no. Dr. Yeah. Doolittle. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. That's, I was thinking Dr. Doolittle when I said Nutty professor. Yeah. Cause it had the Aaliyah song that was big in the summer of 98. That's how I remember that. Cool. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, the next one I believe is a spoof, a Naked Gun spoof, but the title's throwing me off. It's a spoof of mob movies. Oh God, is like Danny Aiello in it or something? Yeah, I gotta look at. I know I saw it back at the time, but it's so one of those movies you completely memory hole. I can't. I think I want to yeah. say Matthew Modine is maybe the Matthew Modine. Okay. Yeah, this is this is the. Movie I'm thinking of. I don't think Matthew Modine's in it, or at least he's not in the lead. I can give you this entire fucking cast, and it's not going to make any difference. But here, Jay Moore, Lloyd Bridges, Olympia Dukakis, Christina Applegate. Nope. Nope. It's Lloyd Bridges is still acting. It's called Jane Austen's Mafia. It's a Naked Gun style spoof. Oh. Yeah. The the whole Jane Austen thing in there was throwing me off, but I think. That was like the joke here. Hold on. Right. Wait. Sucker Brothers type movie. Wait, move it. Yeah. Wait. Oh yeah. Yep. Got it. Yeah. Remember that? Remember that box? I think I might even own that VHS. I do. I think. I don't know. But okay. Uh, what? What? What was that all about? What were we talking about there? Even. How do we get on? Um, we're... Oh, we're, oh, we're doing the top ten. Fuck. Jane Austen's <laughs> Mafia. Yeah. It's all right. <laughs> I just I looked down at my screen and all that was there was the uh, my blank notes. Why played. the fuck is Jay Moore on my screen? Yeah. Um. So that's well, that's your top ten. Number eleven was basketball uh, landing with a thud at three point zero eight six. Damn. Yeah, I'd say. Well, you want to hear anything else in this Six Days, Seven Nights? Remember that one with Harrison Ford and R.I.P. Yeah. Anne Heche? Anne Heche. Yeah, that was kind of yeah. tapping out way down at the bottom. It's at 70 million. 
Um, <laughs> Truman Show, nine weeks. It's at 122 million. Wow. X Files, 81.2 at this point after seven weeks. It's at number 19. Titanic is still in the fucking chart. It's at number <laughs> 15. It's in 33 weeks of release. It has grossed 595.4 million at this point. Uh, it's clearly just going to just sit around until it makes the six. It still made 1 million, 1.1 million that weekend. Small Soldiers, remember that movie? Number 13. That's uh, at 46.2 million after four weeks. Stallone, a voice in there? Uh, Tommy Lee Jones of... and uh, uh, Frank oh, Langella, yeah. I think. You're thinking of yeah. Ants, which was That's also right. a film. I am thinking of Ants, yeah. Yep. And Woody Allen is Bugs Life? Yeah. No, what's Woody Allen in Bugs Life? Uh, right? No, Woody Allen is Ants. Stallone's like just a. Oh, is he an ants too? Okay. Um, I don't know. Brief. I don't okay. know who does the bug. Godzilla's at number 53 yeah. after 11 weeks in release. <laughs> that movie sucks. Well, 11 so weeks. Bad. 135 million bucks so far. Yeah. Deep Impact, number 52 after 13 weeks in release. 138. That movie made more than Godzilla. Remember that movie, God. Woo? I did not know. From New Lions. I do remember Wu. Was it Halle Berry in it, maybe? Don't know. 7.8 million, number 51. Okay. (laughs) Wedding Singer, number 49. It's up to 80 million bucks at this point. How many weeks is that in? That's got to be like 50-something. It was from the the winter, like April or whatever. We don't know what movie we're doing next. Oh, that's true. Shit. (laughs) We don't have anything to say goodbye to. <laughs> That's right. They all left a long time ago. Never know. Who gives a fuck? Nobody's listening anyway. Wait, what's what's the yeah, right? to hell to with hell it. it. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, nobody's listening. Christ, Christ, I yeah. can't find it. <laughs> to hell with it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um. Wait, here we go. Well, wait, hold on. I got a an au revoir for us. Oh no. Wait, I thought we we're gonna. Post game show is brought to you by. I can't find it. The hell <laughs> so good. Yeah. Well, stay stay tuned for our next episode, which we do not know. Yeah. We'll what look at the calendar. Be. It'll be a surprise to you yeah. and us as well. That's what we do. Exactly. If you subscribe, stay tuned, man. Yeah. Check our X feed. There's so much <laughs> bonus content. We are we're the podcast that does not do music. Or apparently looks into the following week. But we do have a lot of bonus content if you subscribe. 800th subscription. And also rate and like. So rush, rush. (laughs) Hurry, hurry, love, come to me. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, yeah, well, I'll I'll talk to you about what we're going to do next. Yeah, I know you said you had a idea for the schedule that you're gonna send oh, me. Oh, yeah, not necessarily. Have... I just I'm gonna like try to fill in holes with bonus ups and uh, then gotcha. Make sure we know what we're doing moving forward, so this quits happening. <laughs> <laughs> Filling in holes is what we do, baby. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. Have a good night. I wanted to try and make that ending as awkward as possible. You did. You did it. You're good. You're good. Yeah. (laughs) Nope.